I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note, viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. about dying gets me nervous you have any thoughts about something was you wanted to go anywhere <laughs> i ain't done anything wrong sometimes i feel i'm scared to live living is what scares me dying is easy you know a long time ago being crazy meant something nowadays everybody's crazy i'm a nobody i'm a dream a bum a hobo I'm a boxcar in a jug of wine in a straight razor. If you get too close to me. Yeah. 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 
Welcome back to I Can Murder a Podcast. We are back at Series 7. We've been away, but we are back and we're happy to be here. Ben, how the devil are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. It's great to have been missed, and I've missed being great with you boys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome back. Thinking about that on the drive over. That was lovely. Producer Dan, how are you doing? Very good, very good. This studio's had a spring clean. I don't know if you've noticed. It feels bigger. Does it? Yeah, it's very clean in here. And... Have you noticed I've uh, sunken your podcast arms into the table this time? Yeah, so then they can't fall over now. There's hilarious uh, clips of us screaming when they fall. Mugs, posters, stickers, badges, tote bags. That sounds a lot like our man. Oh, they're road as well. They're branded, yeah, branded sinkers. Yes, we are back again, and we hope you guys had a great Christmas and a great New Year, and we are very excited for this series, aren't we, Ben? Yeah, I was thinking on the drive over. I was doing a lot of thinking on the drive over. You do that, don't you? What can people expect from this series? Because when I look at the cases we've sat down and selected, I get a bit intimidated, Tom. Do you? This could be the most intimidating series ever. So last series was the... was the Biggest and best. The biggest and best, and this yeah. one's in the intimidating series. Oh, yeah, we've reached that intimidating number seven. There's some rogue cases in this i agree i mean last series was very much kind of a lot of big names big cases this is obviously we sprinkled this series with big cases as well but there's ones that again i think are less expected which i know a lot some people are very adamant they want things they haven't heard much about some people want you know the greatest hits or the greatest shits because well they kill people ben yeah they are well you call them shits yeah i call them shits yeah Yeah. i'm with you bro (laughs) so it's different when i say i've got the shits i'm literally (laughs) surrounded by killers help me (laughs) I think it's just going to be a very different series in terms of case to case. It'll be quite, yeah, a different way of telling stories. Some of them are quite mysterious. So, yeah, I'd be excited to delve into those with you boys. Definitely. And in terms of all things that are new, we have a Reddit page. We do. He's not lying. We do have a Reddit page. Is that what you call it? Or a Reddit? I think you call it a subreddit, actually. Ooh. Sorry. So, I'm already on there, boys. I don't know about you. Involved. Yeah, that bloke over there. Taxi for Benjamin. <laughs> no, we have a subreddit, uh, ICMAP, which, yeah, it's got over it's got over 100 Redditors. I'm not sure if that's what it is. Uh, over on there. Me and Tom are going to work on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We're going to yeah. work on a Reddit. And I, I occasionally cast my eye over there just to see yeah. what's going on. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I'd love to see it it grow so yeah as, as Tom mentioned very happy to be back we've got a very big set of cases in store for series 7 we have been very active I know a lot of people have been asking where we've been what we've been doing we have been very active over on Patreon we're almost at 100 cases over there and growing we're going to do something special for the 100th episode we're just trying to iron that out I've got a yes. few little ideas camping trip I'm very keen and also some exciting news we are dropping something on February the 3rd Ooh. so we're not going to give too much away but we've been mentioning about new merch for a long time so uh keep an eye out and also we're going to be moving from Patreon to a new community or a place for the for the cult to thrive which is a very apt thing to say uh, very in line apt. with this week's episode yes indeed but um, keep an eye out for that February the 3rd we'll be releasing that and yeah come join us best place to, to be in terms of staying in the loop any of the socials at Could Murder a Pod Instagram Twitter Facebook's popped off really now hasn't it oh. truly oh. and why not head over to Facebook where we're going to be putting some content up on there which uh won't exist anywhere else. Yeah. Sounds quite exclusive. It does, it does. Once <laughs> you pull your finger out, we'll be good to go for I'm that. Working. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah, we. <laughs> anyway, Ben, enough waffle, which I'm sure some people are going, shut the fuck up! Talk about the case! <laughs> no, they would. They'd call us that. But yes, so uh, what is today's case, Benjamin? Today is the case of the Manson family murders, also known as the case of Charles Manson, the Helter Skelter murders, or the Tate LaBianca murders. 
Mm. Yes, it, what a way to start the series. A man who has gone down in infamy. I'm sure most people who are into true crime have heard of this case, heard of this man. There's many films referencing him. The latest Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Obviously, it told, tells a very different story. But yes, this has been a case that's been requested many a time. I think it's actually was requested on Reddit as well. Um, but yes, we are finally here to discuss Charles Manson. It could be argued the most well-known man in true crime history. Could be argued that. Yeah, it could be. Depends. Yeah. Could be. Could be. I mean, and the weird thing is, which we'll get into, is Please. didn't kill anyone. Yeah, but often referred to as a serial killer. Mm. Very interesting case. We got we got your cults. We got your murders. We got your mystery. We got your conspiracy. We got your music. We got your music. We got your uh, um, drugs. Have you? There is some drugs okay. in this case. I'm looking forward to your lingo for that. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. Acid as well, which I don't know that Acid. much about. Acid, yeah. yeah. So yeah. learned about the music uh, last week on Patreon. Acid wave. No, acid house. jazz. Acid house. Acid jazz. So, yeah, I know all the acids. You know, it's all the lingo, don't you? Yeah, batteries. Batteries. So, yes, we're going to delve into the charge of Charles Manson to see if there's any red flags or early signs to see where he would end up. Where's your money? Where's your money? Obviously, it is a bit of a odd childhood. But isn't we've had a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Well, we'll, we'll go into it. Yeah, we will. We're, <laughs> we're, we're about to delve into it. Essentially, yeah, we're just we're just nick nick knitter and knackering around the subject. Pardon? Nick nick knack knicker knackering around. The, I'm being careful. Yeah, you have to be very careful mm. around that because what you normally say. But um, that's not true. What? <laughs> Come on. You don't. Okay, you're like I'm quite up for hell. What's going to happen? Charles Mills Maddox was born on the 12th of November, 1934, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, Charles's mother was named Ada Kathleen Maddox, though she preferred to go by Kathleen. Kathleen came from a deeply religious family, yet this did not stop her from partying and rebelling, much to her mother's disgust. Kathleen's mother and Charles's grandmother, Nancy, believed that if she did not create children who were as religious as her, she and her children would be condemned to hell. It's quite big stakes. Like big sporty parents want to raise athletes. If you don't score that goal, we're going to hell. Her belief was made concrete in her mind when her husband died of pneumonia and she was left to raise children on her own. Now, in her early teens, Kathleen would go to dancing halls in different areas out of town. And this was basically in an attempt to, well, to escape her mother's rebel gazing eye. And to rebel, yeah. Stop uh, gazing at me, Mum. I want to go dancing. <laughs> Not in that. All right. <laughs> Her mother was very keen to know of her daughter's whereabouts. However, in an effort to evade this, she would go to different areas. Now here she would enjoy drinking and dancing with members of the opposite sex. Don't, don't we all? Uh, well, so the main reason as well is the family lived in a very small town. So news spread very quickly around what people were up to, what they were doing. So it was imperative that Kathleen tried to distance her desires from her reality. Yet when she became pregnant at the age of 15, she knew that she had to confess her sins to her mother immediately. Mm, wouldn't like to be a fly on that wall. No. No. Kathleen had had sex with a man named Colonel Walker Henderson Scott Sr. It's quite the name, Ben. Yeah. He was just one of the men she'd met at the Ritzy Ray Rainbow Room. It's quite a place. It's f- four hours. Colonel had told Kathleen that he was in the army and that he was actually a colonel. Both of these statements were complete lies. In fact, Colonel was just his first name and he had no other claim to it. So calling your boy Sergeant. Yeah, it is. It's exactly mm, like that. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Or private. Yeah, or um, Grenadier. Pardon? <laughs> Grenadier. Grenadier. Isn't that, is that a drink or is that a soldier? I don't know. I think it's a type of uh, infantry, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Grenadier. It's also a type of gin, I believe. There he is. Very odd name to call you. Call you kid. Colonel. And for work, he was a labourer at a local mill, though many referred to him as a con man. Colonel Scott was also a married man. 
lot going on there. Yeah. lot going on. I'm a colonel and I'm single. Mm. Don't believe you, sir. <laughs> You've seen no action and you're married. That <laughs> 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 I mean, they go hand in hand. Am I right, Dan? <laughs> However, when Kathleen announces her pregnancy, Colonel Scott... I don't want to call him Colonel Scott because I'm giving him too much there. Just Although that is his name. Yeah, his name is Colonel. However, when Kathleen announces her pregnancy... Colonel Scott uses this to his advantage and pretends that he has been called for service. The good thing about all these lies that he's told is he's told so many lies that she's kind of not dissected any of them. She's just just believed his lies. She's just believed his lies, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he tells her, I've been called for service, Kathleen, I'm Ofsky. And as quickly as he came, he disappears. Hello. So although the biological father to an unborn Charles has vanished, his mother cannot. And with a growing baby inside of her, Kathleen is sent from Kentucky to Cincinnati so that she can have her child without the fear of disgracing her family further. I believe she was sent to stay with some aunts and uncles. Okay, Ben, Tom, sorry to interrupt. I just want to take this quick moment to let our listeners know about our sponsor. Welcoming back Harry's. Harry's. You you group of Harry's. Come... Come on in and take a seat. Welcome back. And now, if you don't know what Harry's are, or who Harry's is, or who Harry have become, <laughs> they've, be- <laughs> they've become one of the best super sharp razor companies in, I would say, the world. Because, I mean, everything about them is fantastic. But they're way more than that. They're here to revamp your whole skin shaving routine. From close shaves, to flake-free hair, all the way to clear, healthy skin. And today we're introducing their trial set. So you can start with a trial with Harry's for zero pounds. You can start shaving right away. Just pay for delivery. You're in control. You can modify or cancel your plan uh, at any time. And you can save on all your shaving products without sacrificing quality. Now what's in the trial set? I hear you ask. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Included is the expertly engineered weighted handle shaver. Uh, And now honestly, I have it in the bathroom at home. It's absolutely brilliant. I wouldn't use any other shaver now. Also included is a one five blade cartridge crafted in their own German factory. And I'm half German, if you didn't know. Uh, and German engineering is <laughs> sehr gut. Uh, also included is a handy foaming shaving gel for effective lubrication <laughs> uh, and a travel blade cover for life's adventures. But also, if you sign up to the trial, you get a free brightening eye cream. Uh, and again, I can genuinely uh, recommend this product. It's brilliant. And this brightening eye cream breathes life into tired-looking under eyes literally from the first time you use it. Uh, their cooling formula hydrates and instantly brightens, while seaweed and algae extracts help dark circles fade. Genuinely, it works. To help us out, Head over to harrys.com forward slash ICMAP and start your skincare journey by redeeming your free Harry's trial set and free brightening eye cream. All you have to do is pay for the delivery, which is £3.95. The URL, once again, it's harrys.com forward slash ICMAP and you'll be really helping out the podcast if you do. Right, back to the case. While Kathleen's away in Kentucky, she meets and quickly falls in love with a man named William Eugene Manson. Wem. Not much is known about this man, but however, we do know that Kathy met him whilst at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. We also know that William was aware of Kathleen being pregnant with another man's baby at the time of their marriage. So Kathleen lied about her age at the time of the marriage. She claimed that she was 21, when in fact she was only 15. They married on the 21st of August, and Kathy gives birth on the 12th of November, 1934. Originally, she does not name the baby, as it's been reported that Kathy thought her mother should name the baby as a way of saying sorry for disgracing the family. That's a big apology, isn't it? Yeah, that's a big move. That's bold. Is, yeah. yeah. Numerous sources claim that the birth certificate was inscribed with no name Maddox. Until this point, but in fact, when the documents were retrieved, they simply stated Manson. Kathleen is stated as 18 years old and Charles is stated as illegitimate. So I thought, um... <laughs> His face! So yeah, so no name Maddox. I thought that that's a bit, um... 
interesting. Why? Play the jingle. Ben Carter's interesting facts. Interesting facts. Are they? I don't know. Interesting facts. So it's back again. The uh, in, in inverted commas. Interesting facts. Uh, ben, you, yeah. uh, you did say this is gonna this is gonna blow my mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, welcome back to the interesting facts from me and the team at BC's IFs. Um, Happy New Year. Hope you all had a great one. The guys have been working hard on getting things that are both interesting and facty. Uh, for are, you, are you up in the ante this series? Last series, yeah. kind of, some people said it tailed off towards. It the was end. hit and miss. It was tailed off the end. Well, a little bit. Did they say that? <laughs> a few people messaged me going, "Is he right? It's tailing off a bit." I was like, oh, "They'll come back. They'll come back." Oh, good. They'll come back well, stronger. Hope they're still. Hope they're still listening and watching. So, people born without names. I'm going to hit you with a few different. That's everyone, facts. really. I mean, if you want to, yeah. Is it everyone? You're not directly going. Is Bob? Come on, Bob, get out of here. <laughs> so, well, some people name their kids before they even I'm, conceived yeah them. they do oh that's it he sided with me very quickly I wouldn't be that brave it's kernels in the the oven apparently <laughs> he's, um, in, he's in the armoury <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to hit you with a few different facts this week obviously I've had a couple of months out of the game with nobody to get Three. too facty with so I thought when I saw that no name Maddox I thought is it a frequent occurrence that people are born without names the quick answer no it's not frequent. Ben Carter's interesting facts. Interesting facts. Are they? I don't know. Interesting facts. However, did you know that it's common for Afghans to not have a surname? Like Madonna. In a way. I think her birth name is quite long, isn't it? Sorry, the interesting thing, in that, is there a reason for that, Ben? I think that's the interesting point. Yeah, it's quite, there, yeah, I'm sure there isn't a reason for it. Um, oh wow, okay. I've got more stuff. I've got more stuff. Can I can't, we can come back to that if you really find that part. Really. I'm interested about the reason why they don't have surnames. Generally, Maybe I'll find out for you. No problem. I thought that'd be the part, of it, wouldn't it? No, I got more. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of. Whilst most Afghans uh, lack a last name, uh, they are more common among shit. I will, I will let you know. Please do. So Afghan names traditionally consist of just a first name or personal name without a middle name or a surname. The reason for that is that a personal name may be a compounded name. For example, Ahmad Khan, two words would equate to a single name rather than a first and last name. So there's a, it's a loophole into the interesting facts there. It's a bit of a loop, Afghani loophole there. In America, identifying without a name is not illegal. Police won't arrest you for not having a name, but at the same time, you cannot legally identify yourself without a name, which would make things quite difficult for you. Prince. Well, on that, there are some names in, in America that are illegal. King, Queen, Jesus Christ, Majesty, Adolf Hitler, Messiah, Santa Claus, just to name a few. However, you do occasionally get abandoned children or orphans. However, they often get named by caretakers or the orphanages that they go into. Caretakers? Well, it's put caretakers down here, yeah. That's janitors in America. There's also then uh, people that can't be identified rather than identify themselves. They're often obviously referred to as Jane or John Doe's, uh, which is a designation that American legal systems give to any person who cannot be identified. There's also a tribe in Peru who go without names, without first and last names, the Machiguena. Oh. I think I said that spot on. Uh, the Machiguena people in Peru refer to each other relationally and with nicknames or by referring to events around the person, which I thought was quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you got here from just the idea. Well, of, I'll give you an example of... Um, oh, fuck me, go on so, so someone, like, for, example, for example, the Machiguena people have nicknames, but generally refer to each other by how they are related. They can sort of riff on that as well. For example, sister, the one who slipped in the river. Could be a name. That's a catchy one, isn't it? Yeah, so it could be... Ben, the man who chopped poo up and put it in the river because he didn't quite understand how to play poo sticks. Yeah, 
And that's that is a long. That's like the Colonel. It's a long yeah, name. It's a long name. Yeah, Ben, the man who thought this was interesting facts. Wow. But we will be back uh, next well, week we, for some more. We're going to discuss it. We're facts discuss that are it. interesting. I've been renewed for a new series. Thank uh, you very much. Put those fuckers on furlough. <laughs> Jeez Louise. No, no. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Thank you so much. No we'll try to be more grateful for this series. Thank you. Ben, the man who thought this was interesting facts. You're welcome. It is also interesting to note that William Manson was listed as Charles's father, and a second birth certificate dated the 3rd of December 1934 has been found, and it states that the child's name was Charles Mills Manson. This took the first name of Kathy's father and the surname of the man she was now married to. Which I think not as interesting as slipped in a river, Manson, Charles. Well, Mills, his father worked in the mill, didn't he? So, uh, Does make sense. Well, he said he did a lot of things. I don't know if he... I don't think he'd be lying about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it might be really cool to work in a mill. I don't know. Yeah. Head worker, no play her. Dang, dang, dang. I don't know why. Don't be... <laughs> Thus creating the infamous name that is so well known today. Charles Manson. Yeah. Skip the Mills part. Yeah. It's not as well known. Charles Spelt weird as well. Manson. Manson. What's your name? Manson. <laughs> My, My friends call me Charlie. Charlie. Well, that's weird. We're back. Seriously. Good squishy. The marriage between Kathy and William is short-lived, and after a few years of marriage, a divorce is finalised. William cannot withstand Kathy's behaviour anymore. According to a divorce certificate, Kathy would not clean the house. She would not perform marital duties during the fall of 1934. She would belittle him for, and I quote, lack of earnings, the lack of money for dance, the lack of a home of her own. Kathy, during this time, would she basically go out dancing a lot, go out with yeah. her brother. Like, she basically go out partying for days on end, leave the kid with William, and... It sounds fair enough. William would be fed up with this and decided to go ahead with a divorce. I had no idea that divorce certificates could be that specific yeah. or detailed, and I should have done an interesting fact on that. Yeah, but I mean, we're learning. Yeah, marital duties. So it sounds like yeah, he was during autumn. He wasn't getting laid. And he was like, Pff. and then she wasn't getting paid for dancing. For dancing, yeah. So it's problems on both yeah. sides of the. Money for both dancers. No. Nah, yeah. Moreover, she left the house in the January of 1935 and returned home to her mother's house. Kathy was a strong drinker. Kathy would leave Charles with his grandparents during this time or by himself while she was committing petty crimes to fund her supply. Various sources have told of one particular story that shines a light of the type of mother that Kathleen was. So allegedly, Kathleen was asked if she would like to exchange her baby boy for a pitcher of beer. She said yes, and as a result, Charles was given to a cocktail waitress, a woman Kathleen had never even met before picture of beer hmm. well, I love a picture of beer well, it was a hot summer's day but I don't know if I'd give a baby away for one was it a bit of a joke no she left in there she left the bar she went for a picture of beer she said yes as a result I was giving quite a trust. How did how did Charles get reunited with the mum well hopefully we'll find out oh, okay so although we will later go on to find out Charles was prone to lying, in reference to this story, he claimed that his uncle later collected him several weeks after. But it could be argued that Charles would have been better having never been retrieved. Ultimately, this story would foreshadow Charles's whole childhood. He would go on to be swapped and changed throughout this time, with the only stability in his life being the four walls of a prison cell. When asked, when you were a boy, did you love your mother? In an interview, Charles replied, I don't know what that was. Some sources claim that Charles would see his father for a short amount of time, but it would not last. Yet it's more likely that Charles never would in fact see his father. Kathleen said that all that stuff you read about Charles not knowing his, who his father was, that's not so. Scott used to come and pick up Charles and take him home for weekends with his own child. He just loved him. 
So yet considering Kathleen filed a case against him, there are no records of Scott paying Kathleen for their child. We do know that Scott had a child with his wife, Dorothy Davis. Furthermore, she makes claims that he would take him home for the weekends. But when Scott and his wife divorce, there's no mention of his illegitimate child, which leaves many to speculate that his wife knew of no baby with another woman. Therefore, Scott did not see Charles. Whether he is in the picture or not, he does not stick around and once again leaves Charles fatherless. We do not hear from Charles's biological father anymore and it has been reported by Kathleen that he would later die of cancer in 1954. The time that Charles would have with his mother would be short. Kathleen and her brother Luther would scam people whilst in bars. They did this sort of gag with a baby and a pitcher of beer and they were like, we'll swap and then it was a fake baby and they down the beer and they just had a bloody good laugh. It's like a baby scam. Maybe she Yeah. They would also commit other crimes, much to their mother's horror. When Charles was six years old, his mother was arrested after an altercation involving a ketchup bottle filled with salt. What? One night, Kathleen and Luther's girlfriend go to one of the dancing clubs that Kathleen had often frequented before. They begin to flirt with a man named Frank Martin, whom they met that night with one goal in mind, to steal his money. How they do this with a ketchup bottle filled with salt, I'm very intrigued. They make no, a, we know this because we research. Obviously, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. Say, I'm sure they listen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They make a quick phone call to Luther, who tells them that they need to find a way to get him into his car and to get him to a gas station. This is easily done, and the trio drive to the gas station. At the station, Luther is waiting for them with a ketchup bottle filled with salt. Ooh. Not salt on the roads, I bet, Ben. Oh, we've had a lot of that, Tom. Weather. Okay. Well, I think you finished the story, Oh, no? sure. When Kathleen, Luther's girlfriend, and the man arrive, Luther places the bottle in the arch of the man's back and tells him that it's a gun. Oh. When the man calls his bluff, Luther panics and hits him over the head. The bottle breaks and the man is left unconscious on the floor. They take the money in this man's wallet, which equated to $35, and they also take his car. So the, the ketchup and the salt... Just make it heavier, I guess. I guess it makes it a bit heavier. Hmm. Noisier. Assault rifle? That, um, yeah. Throw it wearing away, I was like, what could it be? <laughs> that. It was also speculated whether or not Charles actually witnessed some of these crimes happening, some of the assaults. Like, he grew up around this as well. to all these bars, wasn't mm. he? Just placed on the table. Play with the jukebox. You can't really play with the jukebox. Okay. Play with the jukebox. So this will lead to their arrest, and Kathleen will be later be charged with assault. Ironic. And... <laughs> So that's how it's written. I was going to say, and, and buttery, but it's ketchup. Yeah. Luther would get 10 years in prison whilst his sister would serve three years. It's been recorded that Kathleen was the only one seen in the car by the witness when Luther hit Frank Martin unconscious, which is why she served time. Left with no mother nor father, Charles was sent to live with his aunt Glenna, Uncle Bill and his cousin Joanne in Benwood, McMechan, West Virginia. Sounds like a lovely place. As Charles grows up, it's clear he enjoys being disobedient. As Virginia Broutigan, a family friend, noted, I'd have to say, when a child is treated in the way he was, you are doomed. Oh, Virginia. She lives in West Virginia as well. Virginia from West Virginia. Come on up. <laughs> it's game show. <laughs> What's, what do you think's on the board, dear? I think it's treacle. <laughs> oh, I'm doomed. <laughs> oh, I'm doomed to laugh, misery. Get me out of these wet clothes. Anyway. So Charles goes on to become an average student. I catch up off or so? Are you just glad to see me? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so Charles would go on to be a very average school student from the second to fourth grade, and he would follow on in his mother's footsteps as he begins to cause trouble for his family. Charles becomes a highly manipulative but intelligent little boy. Deadly competent. Deadly competent. <laughs> 
Deadly combination. Deadly conversation. <laughs> Deadly combination, that, yeah. certainly. One day, Charles and his cousin Joanne are left at home to do some chores, and when Joanne asks Charles to help, he is thrown into a fit of rage and comes at her with a knife. Ooh. Which is well, a... One hand of the knife. And a salty ketchup. Joanne thought her little cousin was going to murder her, so she locks him outside in the yard. She thought that she had protected herself, but Charles slashed the screen door with glass shattering everywhere, and he is now able to enter the house. Just as he does this, luckily, Aunt Glenna and Uncle Bill arrive home. Unfortunately, they do not see that Charles has had a violent outrage. When questioned about the broken door, Charles denies the whole incident, but it kind of begs the question what would have happened if they didn't arrive home at that point. Yeah. Seems to have gone very violent very quickly there. Just for being asked to help with the chores. That's a, a huge escalation. Mm. And he's broken the glass screen door. Yeah. A notable thing about Charles Manson is his height. He would grow to be five foot two. And during his childhood years, he would be bullied because he was short and skinny. We're not going to height shame anyone, but that no. is... That is... We. That's we? Yeah. We. we. <clears throat> it's not very tall. Shorter than my wife. Something which is yeah. mad. Maybe a little bit taller than that plant pot. That's or Jacob's that. height over there, sat down. That's about five foot, isn't it? Most people know roughly what five foot is. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a very short, short it's not, it's not lofty. Not lofty, no. No, 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 no. So when all of this bullying was happening due to his size, obviously this would upset Charles quite a lot. And when he would come home from school crying in floods of tears, this would very much upset his uncle, but not because of the fact that his nephew was crying, because of the fact that his uncle was a strong disciplinarian. To him, this was the behaviour of a weak man, and he could not have one of those living in his household. On Charles's first day of first grade, he is sent to school like the other boys and girls in town, and when he arrives, he is greeted by a teacher that was known for her brutal treatment towards children. The name Mrs. Farner. Yeah, it scares me when I say that. Mrs. Farner would strike fear into the hearts of children who had heard about her notorious punishments, especially against little boys. She was no stranger to making children cry, and this was no exception in the case of Charles. When Charles arrives home after school, he sobs and sobs and tells his aunt and uncle that she had teased him all day and had said horrid things about his mother, who was in prison. That's not a nice thing for a teacher to do. No. His uncle was furious, but not with the teacher. The next day, Charles was sent to school in one of Joanne's dresses as a punishment for his behaviour. This only made the bullying worse, and Charles began to realise that he had to become a bully to protect himself. A bit like a boy named Sue. Yeah. I don't understand the uncle's logic, I'll be honest. In his eyes, I think he's thinking that Charles is acting like a little girl, therefore... Going to treat him like one. But Or it is like the boy named Sue, and like, I need you to toughen you up, and you're going to get more shit if, you dress, if you're wearing a dress. Go in there and defend yourself. I think you think as well, he was, he was the kind of person who said, don't come home unless you've taught them a lesson. I don't think uh, they don't okay. make you cry. So yeah, it's, it's a very um, odd and odd behaviour. It also sounds a bit like the origins of a villain, doesn't it? It's, it's the Grinch, yeah. even the Grinch when he gets laughed at by the kids, and then you know what he goes on to do? Kills the whole of the Who down. <laughs> During his stay with his uncle and aunt, Charles developed an obsession with the old piano the couple had. He loved music in general and would listen to Bill Crosby and Frank Sinatra. This led to a deep fascination with music, which eerily would play a pivotal part in the murders his family would go on to commit. Old residents of the town had reported that Charles would only perk up in Sunday school when the hymns would be sung. Although he did not seem interested in the religious teachings being preached to him, Charles would later use the Bible to manipulate his cult family. Charles had a strict upbringing and he was an unhappy child who was deprived of a nurturing household and the loving embrace of a parent. He was not given the attention he needed and so consequently he would misbehave. Even though he would get punished, he would finally get the attention that he craved. 
So we've seen that before with a few cases we've covered where any attention is, is good attention, any press is good press. One thing that we're going to talk about in a minute is obviously his behaviours would continue to escalate. The, the more he misbehaved, the more attention he would get. But I think he then starts to find comfort in prison and views punishment almost as a reward, which we'll talk about more, but it's a really bizarre set of circumstances that happen. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Next. So Charles would be taken to see his mother at Mansville Prison, and despite the negative reaction it would have on the young boy, his uncle would repeatedly take him despite the cries that it would release. The prison was physically imposing with 8 to 12 feet thick walls. This scared a young Charles and seeing his mother through a glass screen was not the way he wished to see her. Uncle Bill thought that the reaction Charles had every time he visited the prison was pathetic, so he would be taken again and again until he learned not to cry. Although it was a place that Charles would be most scared of as a child, he would find the most comfort in it as an adult. I think the reason why um, he was given, they were given custody, this couple, was because they lived closest to the prison. It wasn't a case of the most suitable for him to be looked after. It was literally the proximity to the mother's prison, which is also quite a quite an odd thing. And yeah, it's a very weird, again, he's crying so much, therefore I want to keep doing it. So at age six, Charles begins to show how manipulative he can be. One day, a group of girls beat a defenseless little boy in the playground, and this was under the direct command of Charles Manson. He told them to do so because he didn't like this particular little boy. I mean, that's... Uh, clear indication of what would go on later on when the boys found beaten the girls are punished and they all plead to the principal that charles had told them to do it when charles is questioned about the incident he tells the principal that isn't his fault because the girls acted in their own accord so this is an eerie moment that foreshadows just how many years this child had to perfect his manipulation tactics we see once again that charles is a very troubled child when at the age of nine he decides to set his school on fire not only my school is on fire so not only does he set the school on fire, but he regularly skips school and shoplifts whilst committing other petty crimes. This arson attack would not be Charles's last stunt with fire, which we'll talk about a bit more later on. 
Kathleen is released from prison and placed on parole, but her time incarcerated has not taught her how to be a good mother. At first, she's on the right track and becomes a clerk in a grocery store, but quickly she falls back into old habits, with her son following in her footsteps. It's not long before Kathleen finds herself on the wrong side of the law, when she's soon arrested once again for grand larceny. This is a robbery where the items stolen are valued at more than $950, however, she is acquitted. When things become too much for Kathleen, she realises Charles must be sent to a different place, a place that should be able to teach him how to be an upstanding citizen. During this time, he is stealing bikes and going down a familiar path to his mother. Which is admirable of her. She wants not to follow in her footsteps. At the same time, she's not being the best role model she could be. So things escalate when he steals a car and Kathleen knows something has to be done. Consequently, he is sent to Gibalt School for Boys in Indiana. The school was known for housing all kinds of troubled children. They had a strict religious ethos and the children were taught by Catholic priests. <clears throat> Beatings were a part of everyday life at this school, but it was not new to Charles, as when he was living with his uncle, he would be beaten regularly for his behaviour. Joanne would go on to report that these beatings would not have the intended effect on the boy, and that it was as though they did not affect him. Charles could be described as a callous and unemotional child, and it's interesting to note that these types of children are three times more likely to become psychopaths. During his time at Gibault, Charles is constantly getting in trouble with the priests and makes it known that he hates their style of life, which is bold. Back off me, priest. I hate your style of life. Screw off. <laughs> Friar, fuck off. As in tuck. Yeah. yeah. Friar, fuck <laughs> off. There you go. He cannot bear being contained in this school any longer, and subsequently he makes the decision to break out. He runs all the way home to the arms of his mother and does the 77-mile trek alone. I guess he's not running all the way there. No, that was, that's an incredible pace. Mm -hmm. At first, Kathleen lets her child stay with her, but soon after she carts him back away to the school. This deeply affects Charles. It is clear that his mother does not want him. Although he was sent back, Charles cannot stay at the school, and ten months after his first escape, he flees again. Who else was it that... Travelled all the way. Was it Ed Kemper? Uh, Ed Kemper, yeah. yeah Travelled all the way and then he gets, gets rejected. Yeah. This time he goes to Indianapolis as he knows he can no longer trust his mother. When he reaches his destination, he walks into a shop with the intention of just stealing some food. But when he sees some money behind the counter, he decides to take this instead as he realises he would be able to pay for some shelter for a few nights. When this theft is successful, Charles continues to steal. Despite his turbulent past, Charles does try to get his life back on track. He gets himself a job with Western Union, delivering messages. Although he had good intentions, Charles's past cannot leave him, and he continues to steal. This leads to his arrest in 1948. Police find Charles after his mother tells them his location, and on the 7th of March 1949, Indianapolis News reported that he was caught when his mother, wanting to get him out of the way, told police where they could find him. She was surprised when the police arrested her too. At the ruling, his judge is sympathetic and as a result, Charles is sent to another school named Boystown in Nebraska. His trip here is brief and it is only four days before Charles manages to break out with the aid of another resident there. This resident was named Blackie Nelson. Charles and Blackie hijack a car and find a gun. They use this gun to commit two armed robberies on their journey. They continue to drive for six hours until they reach Blackie's uncle's house. Blackie's uncle lived in Illinois, who is an established criminal and agreed to teach the boys the tricks of the trade. Yet he does not do so well enough and within two weeks the boys are caught after they raided the store. In 1949, Charles is sent to the Indiana Boys School. Charles's time here is chilling. Charles has reported that during his time here, he was repeatedly raped and sexually abused, as well as regularly being beaten and bullied. Charles would go on to develop his defence tactic here, which has been referred to as the insane game or Crazy Charlie. 
When Charles was being attacked, he would pretend to be insane. He would make animalistic noises and wave his arms in the air as a way of stopping the abuse before it could begin. Although Charles developed this tactic, his attackers would always return. So you doing the Taz thing? Yep, do a good Taz. Mm. No one's gone for me. So they may return. So that you're trying to brag, bring it on. I'm going to goad them. <laughs> bring it on. You said you sent you your saying try and rape for me. <laughs> That's what you just said. Bring it on. He's brutally raped, Ben. That's ruined Taz. During his time here, Charles would try and escape 18 times. And in 1951, when he was 16, he was finally successful. But Charles just cannot keep away from the police. Although he is not sent back to the Indiana Boys School, he is sent to Washington, D.C.'s National Training School for Boys. He's been everywhere at this point, all mm. over, all over town. But just seeing concrete walls rather than seeing them out and about, doesn't Seeing he? people and places and, mm. you know, and experiencing things. Yeah, man. Yeah. You should get out of Thanks, man. He is sent to this school for boys after he is caught with another stolen car. He loves his cars. He had driven this car over state lines, an offence that we will see him commit again later on. When he reaches this new school, the teachers quickly discover that Charles is illiterate. Charles participated in a series of tests which revealed that despite not being able to read or write, he had an IQ of 109. It's not bad. It's not bad, that. Again, it's not quite me. Yeah, they do change over the time. It's not always the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, his product did a real one as well. Here we see how clever Charles Manson was. He knew he was intelligent and would use this to manipulate the people around him. Charles would convince those of high authority that he should be moved to a minimum security prison. He would even manipulate his fellow students around him and ask them to help prove his case. He even went as far as to convince a doctor that he should be moved to a minimum security prison as this would allow him to become an upstanding member of society. In fact, he succeeded in doing so and upon the request of the doctor dealing with Charles's case, he was sent to Natural Bridge on a camp. It sounds very picturesque. It does sound really nice. There's four positives Welcome there. Welcome to Natural Bridge Honor Camp. Where the sun never stops shining. And you can't get to sleep because it's too bright in there. It's really hard to sleep. We don't have any curtains here at Natural Bridge. We apologize for that. Enjoy your stay. Natural Bridge. It is here that Charles will become increasingly more violent. So, Natural Bridge. What's the, what's the phrase? Never take something at their name's form. I don't think that's the Judge phrase. Judge a book by cover? Yeah, never, never take something at... Face value? Perfect, thank you. What was your one, Ben? Yeah. Never take a book by his name's sake. <laughs> yeah, never take something at face value. Natural Bridge on a camp, actually. Charles had the opposite effect on Charles. Maybe it was the constant sunshine. At his new home, Charles was found raping a boy. <laughs> so, yeah, despite, uh, you know... The pleasant really settings. Yeah. Pleasant settings, lovely, peaceful surroundings. It's here that Charles would actually go on to become increasingly more violent. So at his new home, Natural Bridge, on a camp, Charles was found raping a boy at knife point. This occurs whilst he is waiting for his parole hearing regarding the robbery he had previously committed. The violent and horrific nature of this crime means that Charles is not the type of person that this minimum security facility can house. As a result, he is sent to the Federal Reformatory in Petersburg, Virginia. Whilst at the Federal Reformatory, Charles is deemed safe only under supervision. So I don't know why they didn't supervise him. During his time here, he commits eight violent offences, which leads him to be moved to a different maximum security facility for boys called Chillicothe Correction Institute in September 1952. It's like your coffees you like from the fridge. Yeah. Chillicothe. <laughs> Sounds cold, doesn't it? Yeah. Chillicothe. Cold, but get you in the right spot. Seri yeah, serious. Ser yeah. Stern, but fair. Yeah. It was deemed that he would stay here until he was 21. Don't have the exact time, but he spent a, a great deal of his childhood 
in correctional facilities, in prison cells. He hasn't really been able to experience life, really. When he is, he's he's doing things like petty crime, stealing cars, a lot of cars, stealing a lot of cars. A lot of cars, a lot of bikes. Yeah. Anything with wheels, he would get his hands on. Outside of prison life is very brief and very chaotic. He's moved from pillar to post and he finds a bit of routine in prison. I feel like he, he loves prison. I feel like he's very fond of it. So the punishment, it's, in a way, for him is quite... You know that he has to stay. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying I think he loves it, man. Really loves you're it. You're doing this. But you know that he loves this. I'm just saying, this is for the people that don't know, I think he loves prison. Yeah, so Ben's saying that because we know that he asked to stay later on, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to that part. But right now, he's loving those four walls. I don't think he says loving it because he tries to escape like, all the time. Well, that's true, but... So that kind of goes, yeah. It's like to be put into a, a, a stricter prison once he's captured. Maybe he's just, the chase that he, he's really... So you'll, so you'll think he's doing this to exacerbate and make it more maximum security each time? Max me up. Ah, so he's doing it to level up his prison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that is what he was doing. So whilst at this facility, Charles becomes a model prisoner and after one year he learns to read and write, which is quite quick. So at the age of 19, he is released on parole after he receives something coined the Honour Award. This was rewarded when people in charge thought that he had made a genuine mistake about an inmate. He was sent back to the home of his aunt and uncle. Things seem to look up for Charles when he meets Rosalie Jean Willis. She's a waitress at a nearby hospital. She's 15 years old. Ugh. Despite her young age, the two fall in love. In January 1955, they marry. When later asked about the pair's marriage, he would go on to say, I married her to get... <laughs> when later asked about the pair's marriage, he would go on to say, and this is Charles, this isn't me, and I am going to do a voice, I married her to get into that pussy. I married her to get into that pussy, uh, is, what, is what he said. He looked me straight in the eye during the first read-through. <laughs> yeah. Made even creepier by obviously yeah. knowing her age. Yeah, sorry. During this time, Charles's demeanour seems to change and even gets a job and seems to make friends. Yet old habits die hard. When circumstances change and Rosalie finds herself pregnant in October 1955, it turns out he did get it. The pair attempt to move to LA, but once again, Charles finds himself in conflict with the law after he steals a car in Ohio and takes him and his wife to LA. Once again, he finds himself driving a stolen car over state lines and is arrested. Not to go back to strange details, but a way Waitress, a, a hospital. Is that like a porter? Or is there like a or canteen? Yeah, but waitress is that implies like sort of waiting tables and mixing drinks and maybe it's just it's just the just lady who works in the kitchens. Yeah. And brings out the food to the people's tables. That's cool. It's quite a posh one though, isn't it? Yeah, very fancy. Charles makes an unusual request before his sentencing for this crime. He asks to be psychiatrically evaluated, and the doctor finds that fatherhood would allow him to be a model citizen. And as a result, he's given five years of probation. However, this changes when he does not show up to his court hearing. The judge changes his mind and is less lenient. As a result, he gives Charles three years at Terminal Island. Sounds like a horrible place. Yeah. Next door to Shutter Island. Two of Tom Hanks' movies. Island? Castaway. Oh, it's called Castaway. Terminal. Yeah, Terminal works. <laughs> so does Island. <laughs> Island. And he was cast away to Terminal Island as well, which as well, I probably should mention that. It will be during this time in prison that Charles would learn the tactics he would later use to create his cult family. Mm. During Charles's time in prison, Rosalie gives birth to Charles Manson Jr. CJ. See, is CJ. Mm. Yeah, CJ. Initially, the pair would visit Charles every week in prison, yet visits start to become sparse and ultimately completely stop. In 1958, Rosalie moves in with a new man and files for divorce from Charles Manson Sr. Ultimately, she claims full custody of Charles Manson Jr. Charles Manson Jr. would legally change his name to Jay White, 
probably for anonymity, which we're we're ruining here. So sorry, Jay. <laughs> but before we continue, I want to say a big thank you to this week's sponsor, Dead Happy. So we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis, but we don't have to be in the middle of a cost of dying crisis. As creating with Dead Happy, you can have faster, easier, and more flexible life insurance. So a lot of people already have existing policies in place with other providers. It's never been more simple to transfer, and they only ask you three simple questions in order to register. And as you mentioned, Ben, it is the cost of living crisis, and people are getting a bit stressed out with money. You can say that again. People are getting stressed out with money. Thank you. And Dead Happy are great for this circumstance because they have flexible payouts and their policies are designed with flexibility in mind. Absolutely. And you never know what's around the corner. You know, I, for example, had a very dangerous accident with a broom um, going back a, a year. And look at that. Still not really healed. Should, Should get infected. It. Could... it looked like it has been infected. No, it looks like a love bite. It looks like a love bite. Yeah. Keep getting asked who I'm hanging out with. No oh. one. And if this did get infected, Tom. Mm-hmm. And I'm not insured, yeah. hypothetically. Obviously um, you are. Obviously I am. And I'm with dead happy. Of course you fucking are. Because I'm not a mug. Mm. So let's just say this was the end of me. This got infected. I so the matter you went on about it, I yeah. thought it could have been. Well, it was bad. A lot of blood. A lot of blood. People wanted to see the gash. Yeah. And with dead happy, they want to save you the cash. But this could get infected. I could kill over. I could be gone. What's going to happen to my loved ones? How are they going to be looked after? <laughs> Luckily you are covered with dead happy, so they will be looked after. And as well, you probably would have left a little death wish to say how you want the money to be used and Special. be spent, and maybe even like you want to be shot up in a firework. That'd be cool. Put it into an ice cube and had, a, had with a Vinto. Yeah. I don't know, Ben, you're a bit different. Imagine that in a Vinto. Oh, that little scab floating on it. Put me in a firework. Okay. Send me to space. What sort of that? Space. Yeah. Send me expensive. Just, yeah, blood from the sky. At night. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry yeah, illuminate. Not... <laughs> I don't want to be a daytime firework. Everyone's or wa- an indoor firework. Everyone's waiting around Ooh. going, fuck, what time is it? We'll have to wait till it's dark. Oh, fuck. Why don't you die in winter? Mm. Summer baby, summer dire. But enough of this waffle. Why not head over to deadhappy.com and use our code MURDER for three months free? So not only will you be helping yourself and your loved ones, you'll also be supporting the channel, and we appreciate that massively. So get yourself covered today. And back to the case. <laughs> A little bit more on Charles Manson's son. Uh, Charles Manson Jr. would legally change his name to Jay White before ending his own life at the age of 37. He decided to end his life when the mental torment of being a direct relative of the infamous Charlie Manson became too much. And when asked in an interview if Charles Sr. thought about his son, he would later comment, about as much as my father did me. Charles continues to manipulate those around him and convinces a warden that he wants to start a new life. It's been alleged that this is because he heard about Rosalie being with a new man and he wanted to do everything in his power to make sure that this could not be. This warden then fights for Charles to be sent to a minimum security facility. So yeah, this has happened already before. He, he's manipulated people around him, saying he wants to live a new life, he wants to start again, and people believe him. They buy into all his lies. Charm and charisma. Yeah. Charles. Despite convincing those... Charm and Charles. Charm and Charles. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so despite convincing those around him that he wants to be a model citizen, his actions do not equate. He is found in a car park trying to hot water a... Oh, in water. <laughs> he is found in a car park trying to hot water a... Hot... Hot water? <laughs> hot water a Come car. On, you <laughs> he is found in a car park trying to hot wire a car in plain civilian clothing. Of course, he lands himself back in prison, but this time he is given five years and his request for parole is denied. He is finally released at 23 years old on the 30th of September 1958, and although he is out of prison, the law is still keeping a close eye on him, and he is given five years of parole. Mm. See, he doesn't seem to be learning from his 
mistakes, mistakes, does he? No, no. At first, whilst he's been released, Charles does try to make a legitimate wage. He would go canvassing, selling freezers and frozen food. But in his own words, the salesman double-crossed and short-changed him. This is when he believes that the life of crime is calling him. Because of the lessons he learned in prison, he realises he can become a pimp. Whilst in prison, he spoke to other people who were incarcerated, and some of them some of them were pimps, and he learned from them how to manipulate people, how to find people who were vulnerable, and how he can basically lure them in. And it was kind of behaviour of complimenting them and saying you're the only person there for them but then also beating them to show that you're in charge as well which is a horrible way to think about it but he basically mm-hmm. learned these skills whilst in prison how to spot people how to manipulate them and basically um yeah b- become controlling of them which obviously would play a part later on combining this with money that he was stealing from people's mailboxes he begins to make a decent wage the tactics that other inmates told him are utilized and two months into this stunt he has caught pimping a 16 year old girl jesus this girl was called Leona Ray Candy Stevens. It has been debated whether she was Manson's girlfriend. However, we do know that she had a strong infatuation for him so much when he got arrested, the two got married just so that she couldn't testify against him. It is interesting to know that when Charles was arrested for cashing in fraudulent checks, at first he admitted to his crimes, but later denies them after realising the severity of the charges. In an act of madness, he tries to swallow one of the checks. Yet he was still arrested and is given a 10-year suspended sentence and probation. Once again, Charles finds himself in hot water. I knew I'd see it somewhere. Once again, Charles finds himself in hot water when he took his wife and another unnamed woman to New Mexico. He was taking them to this state in the hopes of being able to use them for sex work. Of course, like all the other times, he is caught and arrested. He is questioned and surprisingly released. Knowing that this is not the last time he would be caught by the law, he disappears and this violates his probation. He is then arrested and forced to serve his 10-year sentence. Although he starts his sentence at Los Angeles County Jail, he is transferred to United States Penitentiary in 1961. This is where he picks up his passion for music again. He begins to learn how to play the guitar from a fellow inmate. The inmate was called Alvin Creepy Carpus. He could pick a guitar. Moreover, he gains the contact information of someone at Universal Studios. This man was named Phil Kaufman. To further expand his knowledge around how he could change people's opinions, he begins to be friendly with another inmate who is a Scientologist. Now, Scientology is something that we've covered on Patreon, so if you want to find out more, why not head over to Patreon? Ben, give the details. Patreon.com forward slash pod. We've talked about Scientology on there. Yes, we have indeed. So this particular inmate puts Charles through 150 hours of auditing. And auditing is when a head of Scientology asks the person in front of them a series of questions about their lives in hope of eradicating all behaviours and reteaching them under the influence of Scientology. 150 hours of auditing should indoctrinate an individual into the religion, but for Charles, it proved to him that he could have a cult of people who he could control. So yeah, he's learning his ways from Scientology. He's picking up bits of different information from lots of different people and... Put it all together in a little it's like web. one of those world buffets, Ben. He's gone up, he's got a hot dog, but he's been a bit calmer on the side. They shouldn't meet, but he's met the meat. And he's going to serve this dinner to a lot of people out there. Spot on. So a few years pass and Leona divorces Charles. Oh. This happens in 1963. During this time, she has given birth to a child named Charles Luther, who she claimed was Charles Manson's son. Another Charles. Lots of Charles There's lots of Charles, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. And soon, lots of Charlie. Oh, well, I don't know if that was as much, really. So as acid LSD. was more yeah. of a thing, yeah. LSD, yeah. LSD and sort of mushrooms and shit. On March 21st, 1967, Charles has finally served his time. 
He is released, but was comforted by prison. He had spent half of his life locked inside, so it was all that he had known. It panicked him that he was about to be left on his own devices, and as a result, he asks authorities if he can stay in prison, and they bluntly refuse. Don't often hear that. No. It's like um, Morgan Freeman in... Uh... Shawshank. Shawshank. He just, yeah. He's just been nervous about leaving, doesn't he? Very nervous. Very nervous. I don't know any of friends I could pack bags. One month after his release, he moves from L.A. to Berkeley. He makes the police know that he has moved, which means that he does not violate his parole. Instead, his case becomes supervised by a man named Roger Smith. Roger Smith was a criminology doctoral student and had a deep interest in the effects of LSD on the human mind. Uh-oh. Manson would become a test subject for Roger. Roger was provided with his funding by the National Institutes of Health, and it is conspired that they were also funded from the CIA. Manson would take vast amounts of LSD during his time with Roger. Later, his family would also be introduced to the experiment. So yeah, this is a, a, a pivotal moment in his life. He's not wanted to leave prison and now he's, he's obviously befriended Roger and regularly indulging in copious amounts of LSD. He becomes a guinea pig. He does become a, a little guinea pig. Manson. Roger's guinea pig. Roger's guinea pig. Silly amounts of LSD is, mm. is the term I've heard by um, professionals. Bare amounts of LSD. Bare, bare LSD. It was getting all sorts of lit. U- Uber amounts. Uber amounts, yeah. So during this time, Charles begins to read a lot about free love and begins to immerse himself in the hippie culture that was surrounding him. However, it is important to note that Charles did reject the hippie stereotype. He begins to spread his message about free love and people fall into his trap. They take every word he is saying for truth and he begins to make a following. Yeah, apparently he would sit around and he would just literally watch how people behaved and how they acted and how they spoke and he basically just mirrored them. And that's something he would later go on, go on to say. It's just he was just a mirror for people. He would be say what they wanted him to say and also just be, you know, act how they acted. Mm. During this time, we cannot forget to mention the prominent black power movement that was rising throughout the country. Racial prejudice was rife and reports were detailing how they were in the worst crisis since the Civil War. The death of Martin Luther King sparked race riots in all cities. Charles did not agree with this movement. He was a racist who believed that this movement would not end in equality, but in black supremacy. And although he thought those who did not share his skin colour were inferior to him, he deeply feared them. He made it clear that he believed that either the white population would be murdered by the black population or they would be made to be slaves by them. So we'll go into that a lot deeper later on. You know, he obviously has very strong opinions at this stage. So one lady that would fall under Charles's spell was Mary Bruner. One day he travels to the US Berkeley campus and this is where the pair would meet. Charles preaches his message. Bruner is immediately captivated by the gentleman in front of her. She falls in love with him and subsequently his ideologies and she becomes a devoted follower of the cult. He's quite a handsome young, young man. He looks different in every picture, every single, which we yeah. get into. We'll get into for a lookalike. I mean, everyone's very, very excited for lookalikes. But yeah, it's um, been a while. It has been a while. He does look so. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, he's he's a handsy guy. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, he looks a bit. We had we had something lost. about him, didn't he, with the, mm. the guitar case and the uh, and, and the preaching and the mind constantly ticking over with you know all these thoughts and feelings. Uh, it's quite you know lot going on. Big big character. Um, Practicing the law of attraction. It's not going to shag you, man. <laughs> so she allows him to stay at home for one night, but this becomes a permanent arrangement. As news of Charles spreads, he begins to create his cult following. More girls are being captivated by him and are now joining his growing family. So he would refer to this cult as the family. There are five prominent members of the family by this point. So these are Susie, or Sadie Mae Atkins, Lynette Squeaky from the reason why it's called Squeak, she was called Squeaky. Go on. No, this is not just me being gross. No, no, it was on. apparently the noises she made when they had sex, Charles and her. Oh. So he... he called a squeaky after that in front of everyone I'm guessing so 
Charles. Patricia, Katie, Krenwinkel, Mary Bruner, and Ella Jo Bailey. So they don't have as much nicknamey things than Squeaky. Yeah, um, maybe Squeaky was the favourite. The girls had promiscuous tendencies and the group would all participate in orgies whilst high on LSD and other drugs. Charles would get the girls high whilst he would take significantly less than them so that he could remain in control of them and the situation. In December of 1967, the group decide to steal a school bus and reimagine it. They repaint it and travel from Berkeley to LA. And by the spring of 1968, Charles would have 20 followers and over the next year this would grow to 50. Roger Smith was aware of this situation. Apparently he even got to the n- close to 100s as well. And they painted the bus a rainbow, which oh. is quite a nice, quite a nice idea. I like the idea of the Yeah. Bus. Well, you've probably had around 100 <clears throat> applications for the cult, so we yeah. can see how quickly these things can happen. Snowball, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Crazy. In 1968, the group would spend some time at Topanga. Topanga? Topanga. Chlory. I fucking watch it on Disney+. Plus. Boy Meets World. In 1968, the group would spend some time in Topanga Canyon, in the Boy Meets World. This is where Bobby Busol would become in contact with Charles. I don't want to get confused with Bobby Boucher from The Waterboy. So, Bobby Busol, Bobby Boucher. One of them's a fictional character. That's true, and one of them's real. Yeah. He was an actor, and at the time, he was fascinated with Charles's musical talent. He wanted to make sure Charles had the opportunity to audition for gigs. Eventually, with Bobby's help, they would go on to play at a venue called the Topanga Corral for a few nights, but would go on to be fired. What do you think about his music, Ben? Have you listened to it? Yeah, a lot of the tracks I hear, they start out really nice. I'm like, oh, okay, he's picking that guitar. He's singing a little... He's got an okay voice, actually. And then all of a sudden, it just goes... For the tracks I've heard, it goes a little bit too... Well, I think the recordings, because we'll get probably... Get, I'm sure we'll go into it. He basically did, like, a live set for this producer okay. it wasn't like properly recorded he just played the two played the songs to him so it wasn't it's was all kind of a bit rough and ready but i, I think his voice, yeah and yeah. It, his voice doesn't sound anything well, obviously most people probably be more aware of manson with his ramblings and his interviews Outbursts. but he's you know, his voice sounds actually quite nice and quite gentle look at your game girl in the lyrics i listened to it today whilst walking the whilst walking the dog and a lot of the lyrics are very much like anywhere could be your home you can trust me and it's all very yeah. kind of like peaceful but it's very like coming like oh um, yeah indoctrinating people might you can't trust everyone you can trust me it's very much pointing towards bringing people in if you mm. listen to the lyrics with the context of knowing who he is it is and slightly all the drugs spooky. he was consuming as well yeah. trying to warp people's minds warp door as bobby said in a 2020 interview i wasn't going to join his commune i had no interest in that but he is a person, as a musician, I did have an interest in. I thought that he was worth investing a little bit of myself in. It was enough of an interest to me that I kept coming back. So yeah, everyone finds the guy a bit alluring, mm. fascinating. The musical talents that Charles meets only expand, especially when a few of the family members are picked up by Dennis Wilson hitchhiking. Now, Dennis Wilson was the drummer for the band, The Beach Boys. What a band. Yeah, this, this is a chance meeting. Uh, Charles, you know, the family knew very much that Charles wanted to become a musician. He was very eager to get involved in the music scene. And they're kind of told to keep an eye out for any people that might be influential. It just so happens that Dennis Wilson picks up two hitchhikers who are part of the family, which is... Dennis fucking Wilson picks you up. Yeah, exactly. And he was he was that more known as the handsome one of the band. Because when you think of the Beach Boys, yeah, he looks like the surfery <laughs> one you imagine. Yeah. The rest of them kind of just look like... They could be working. Oh, where could they be working, Ben? Uh, ice cream shop. Ice cream shop. There's just one roll. Swiss. Yeah. I mean, that was a better. Swiss. Yeah, it's very good. 
telly sales. Yeah, or even a cookie shack. But um, yeah, so he picks them up and they kind of... They kind of bowling go, alley. Yeah, bowling alley. That's another place that people could work. And then, yeah, so they come back and they go, Charles, we've just met freaking Dennis Wilson. And then Charles gets very excited and they end up kind of end up moving into his house. He, yeah. he, they, he brings the two girls back to his house for some milk and cookies, I believe it was. Milk so, and cookies. Well, that's yeah. what they thought. Yeah. But then when they got there, he did just give them milk and cookies. It wasn't, it wasn't anything perverse. And then one day he came back home, apparently, and Charles was at the front and the, people were in the house and he kissed his shoes and they thought that's a bit weird. But then he just fine and chilled out of it and they all just kind of lived in his house with him, which is very bizarre behaviour. Very interesting. Yes. So Dennis's guest house now catered for the Manson family, but soon the cards would reverse and Dennis would sleep in the guest house whilst the Manson family enjoyed his log house. Which is not a euphemism, I promise. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Toyota-thon is on. So stop in and get a great deal on a sporty new Camry or stylish Corolla, both with available all-wheel drive. Find out more at buyatoyota.com. Hurry, Toyota-thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places. Charles taught Dennis how to play the guitar. I don't know. Enjoyed his log house. Come on. Wanking, wanking, wanking. I just thought it should be called a cabin. But... Oh, yeah, true. Okay. Just going to go off and enjoy my log house. The house doesn't... Yeah. Would you call dick. your dick a house? Maybe. So Charles would also teach Dennis how to play the guitar and the two would continue to learn from one another. Dennis even goes on to call Charles the wizard. He does look a bit wizardy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people fall under a spell, Ben. <laughs> Charles would meet Dennis's associates and so his musical catalogue begins to expand. This would include both Terry Melcher and Greg Jacobson, two huge music producers at the time. And they listen to his music and they're actually pretty, pretty impressed with it. They say, it's not actually that bad, Charles. It's not that bad, but it's not that good. <laughs> You're kind of mediocre. And he got a bit upset by that feedback and then some shit happened. And now we do the lookalikes. <laughs> Can you imagine? What does it look like? That looks like a bit like that. Yeah, it looks a bit like this. 
Charles would, after this meeting, later go on to record an album of his own. However, things take an interesting turn when Dennis finally realises that he is being taken advantage of. He is going away on tour with the Beach Boys and does not want his home to be overrun by the Manson family anymore. As a result, a moving company is hired and Dennis leaves his accommodation, making sure that the family do not know his next move. Charles knows that he and the family cannot stay at this house anymore and the family now find themselves at Spahn Ranch, which would be one of the most infamous resting locations. And now we are going to go into the timeline for the Charles Manson family murders. July and August of 1969 mark a significant change for the people of America and will go on to be recognised as one of the most legendary summers to go down in history, with many pop culture references still continuing to be drawn from it to this day. Brian Adams. Just just one of them. Canadian as well. Yeah. It still mattered to him. It sees Neil Armstrong taking one giant leap for mankind by being the first man to step foot on the moon. The Nixon administration announces the decision to withdraw 25,000 US troops from Vietnam, thus beginning a gradual reduction to US presence on Vietnamese soil. In a related topic, world-famous boxer Muhammad Ali is arrested and stripped of his fighting licence upon being found guilty of purposely avoiding the Vietnam draft after he refused to be indicted to the country's losing lottery two years prior. Musically, we're given many classic offerings, mainly from British musicians. David Bowie's A Space Oddity. Led Zeppelin released their self-titled debut album. The Who released Tommy, their fourth studio album. And the Beatles record their last and possibly most iconic album, at least most iconic album sleeve, Abbey Road. To close out the end of the summer of 69 and the revolutionary decade, historic festival Woodstock brings people together to unify them through peace, love and, of course, music, with iconic performances from Janis Joplin, Jefferson Airplane and Jimi Hendrix. Some big acts. Some big old acts. So, yes, it's very much, you know, the hippie free love movement is very much alive, which was very divisive within itself. A lot of people didn't agree with that lifestyle. A lot of people had a strong distaste towards hippies. Absolutely. And nestled in amongst these historical moments is the case we're here to discuss today. The case of the Manson family murders. Often depicted as seemingly random drug fueled attacks, the murders were actually a result of a crescendo of criminal activity by Charles Manson and his family over the previous months. Since early 1969, Manson had been feeding his avid followers notions about a race fueled war in which the suppressed African Americans will rise up against the white government and take over the country. Whilst the rest of the population is being slaughtered, Manson soothes the family's concerns by telling them they'll be hiding out. Underground at this point, and once the violence is over and the white population have all been killed, then they will appear from the desert hiding spot and reveal themselves as the saviours of the world. Manson names this supposed movement Helter Skelter after the Beatles song which is depicted on the White Album. So as we mentioned earlier on, um, he was racist and he was worried about the black power movement as well he came became very obsessed with this and whilst tripping he would have these visions and he'd be yeah he was all consumed by this and seemingly was looking to get messages wherever he could about this and it was the Beatles White Album that was apparently was talking to him there's a few songs in there that really spoke to him the one most famously is Helter Skelter but there's also a song called Piggies which is written written by George Harrison some of the lyrics were in their styles with all their backing they don't care what goes on around in their eyes, there's something lacking. What they need is a damn good whacking, which he was thought it was basically the uprising of black people and how he needed to kind of defend the white race. So it was actually about the upper class, but um, Charles thought it was about people need to be punished and a call to arms. And of course, the word pig is to be used later on, which we'll go into later on. There's also the song Blackbird, and he believes this is the, about the black uprising. The lyrics, take these broken wings and learn to fly. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arise. And then, of course, there's Helter Skelter, which is what he actually 
would believe this rise and he named it this this helter skelter when i get to the bottom i go back to the top and he thought was yeah this is quite hectic and quite heavy song as well and he believed this was all messages from the beatles that this is going to come it's coming soon he was convinced that they were speaking to the family directly yes he would guidance he made one of the family sit there with him listening to it over and over again she wouldn't let her go and she wet wet herself because she was there for so long with him he would even play the record backwards to try and find other secret messages beatles have obviously since gone to say you know, they, they hate that being linked to him. They even stopped playing Helter Skelter for a long time as well. They kind of represent the complete polar opposite to Manson, which is really interesting. Yeah. After many months of Helter Skelter showing no signs of happening, Manson is starting to grow impatient and is worried that his family are beginning to doubt him. He begins planting whispers throughout the camp that the family have been instructed to help generate momentum of the movement and to take action on it themselves. So one of the things a lot of cult leaders are known to do is basically they have prophecies and these ideas and basically they need to show that what they're saying is going to happen. Otherwise, you know, like David Koresh, he manipulates things and it can be vague enough to be like, oh, well, that see, I said that would happen. But obviously he's getting worried that this isn't actually happening. So he's... Let's, let's put this into our own hands and make this happen. And obviously, as we've, we've explained to this point, he was very good at manipulating people, very good at kind of seducing and charming people and planting suggestive seeds and watering them. And in this new environment that they'd created for the family in Spahn Ranch, it was basically music, drugs, sex. They created an environment where they were all pleasing and this was where he would harbour his plan. But when it started not to move. For Manson at this point, obviously, he was a master manipulator and had a very good way of making people feel and making people act but at the moment he's not seen any movement from this what many people aren't aware of is the fact that the manson family had been involved in both a murder and an attempted murder in the months leading up to the most notable crime that the cult is associated with a few months prior manson himself had shot and thought to have killed a drug dealer associate bernard crow otherwise known as lots of popper after a dispute over a drug payment that had gone wrong After hearing the next day that a member of the notorious Black Panther group, a black power political party, had been shot and killed, Manson mistakenly assumed it was Lotsa Papa and boasted to his followers about killing him. Manson was in fact wrong on both accounts. Lotsa Papa survived the shooting and neither was he a member of the Black Panthers. The Manson family then adopted the Black Panthers as a diversion tactic for the crimes to come, with their intention being that if they left certain messages or clues, they believed that the police would link them together, thinking the political group were responsible. So that was them thinking of making this race war happen sooner. Mm-hmm. It's getting the Black Panthers in more trouble with the police and whatnot. The whole time you were explaining that, I got myself caught up in lots of popper. I think it would be quite a good... I was. Is it good? Is it bad? A robot war's name. Lots of popper. Sergeant. So kill a lot. Lots of popper. And it could like pop things off and... Look out, lots of popper's coming. A popcorn machine with like arms. Yeah. Pop. Yeah, maybe. I still haven't decided. We can try lots of things. Yeah. yeah. So we move to late July of 1969, and at this time, Manson is desperate for money. There are a variety of different versions of this part of the story, but ultimately it resulted in a Manson family friend, Gary Hinman, being murdered by a devout Manson follower, Bobby Busillet. The first version depicts that Manson decides that Hinman should be the target to extract the needed money from, as he was believed to be considerably wealthy and things took a turn for the worst. The other version states that Busillet wanted revenge on Hinson after he supplied bad quality drugs and was being hounded for money back from his buyers, and so he decided to teach him a lesson. So yeah, lots of people believe column A, lots of people believe column B. Either way, Hinman ended up being murdered by a member of the Manson family. Regardless of which version of events is the true one, it results in Charles Manson cutting the ear off Hinman with a sword and then Busillet stabbing Hinman to death. 
whilst fellow female family members Susan Atkins and Mary Brunner take it in turns to hold a pillow over Hinman's face. Brutal, isn't it? It is. After leaving Hinman for dead on the floor of his own home, Busselet then writes the words political piggy in blood on the walls along with a drawing of a paw print, which he hopes will suggest to the police that the Black Panthers were behind the brutal murder and divert attention away from the Manson family. So the piggy is reference to the song Piggies on the White Album. Busselet, however, isn't the sharpest tool in the shed, and after stealing Hinman's car and driving around in it for a couple of days, he foolishly decides to take a nap in it by the side of the road. Police, noticing the car, tap on the window to find a dozing Bobby Busselet, and when he fails to produce a driving license or any form of ID, they decide to search the car. Upon doing so, they find the knife used to stab and kill Gary Hinman, and Busselet is immediately arrested and thrown into jail. They also obtain his fingerprints, which were found at the scene of the crime as well, so yeah, he didn't have much of an alibi there. With Busselet in prison, Manson begins to panic that the longer he is in there, the more likely he will crack and talk. Fearing Busselet will expose him and the other family members in the killing of Hinman, he approaches another devout family member, Charles Tex Watson, and starts to subtly drop hints about a diversion tactic. A suggestion is made to target the house of previous friend Terry Melcher, who is the son of Doris Day and established music producer. So Terry Melcher was one of the people we mentioned earlier on who would take Charles into the recording studio, basically record him and see if he was any good, but Terry didn't think he was suitable for what they were after. Terry recorded bands like The Birds and The Beach Boys, and you see he's a well-known producer, and you know, a lot of people he recorded would go on to have good careers, so Manson was very put out by being rejected by him. So it, there's lots of points in this case where... Like Ben said earlier on, if the cocktail waitress kept Manson or if he got a record deal, you know, would he have then been able to... Was allowed to stay in prison forever? Yeah. Which is another option. True. So, yes, that's one reason why he's targeted. I think it's, it's, it's through the kind of rejection and the anger he feels towards him as well. One thing we didn't mention earlier on is the fact that Charles Manson actually had one of his songs recorded by the Beach Boys. He was quite naive with this. He didn't the most any legal advice obviously so a song that um, Charles Manson had wrote called Cease to Exist the Beach Boys would go on to record it but they changed it to Never Learn Not to Love Dennis Wilson would essentially claim to have written it he didn't give Manson a writing credit which pissed him off thoroughly as you can imagine he also changed the song from a blues song to more of a pop song and did change some of the lyrics but it did spawn off of Manson's song called Cease to Exist so all this frustration that Manson felt because he did want to be a musician he was he strongly believed that was his destiny but all these kickbacks and all this frustration this is the reason it's he targeted Melcher's home. So some people believe that Manson wasn't aware that Melcher didn't live in this home anymore and the fact that he moved out, so they believe it was a mistake on his part. Other sources claim that it's not true and Manson was well aware of the fact that the property had new residents as he'd been noted to visit there whilst actress Sharon Tate was taking part in a photo shoot in early 1969. Tate and her photographer both witnessed Manson lurking around the grounds and allegedly questioned his presence. He answered that he was looking for Melcher and when he was informed that this was now the Polanski residence, Manson sloped off where he had come from. So yeah, that in itself suggests he did know exactly what was going on. Yeah. Now knowing the house belongs to Roman Polanski, a famous up-and-coming director who recently had a successful film called Rosemary's Baby and married to a beautiful actress, Sharon Tate. He must think that this is going to be huge if something happens here. Blame this on the Black Panthers and really get this movement going. Polanski and Tate had recently been married in London in January 1968 
and soon became pregnant with their first child, a baby boy. The two of them had decided to rent one at 050 CLO Drive from their friend Terry Melcher and moved into the property in February of 1969. On the night of August 8th, 1969, Roman Polanski is away in Europe with filming commitments. Sharon, who is eight and a half months pregnant by this point, does not want to be alone in his absence and invites some friends over to stay with her. The friends include Jay Sebring, celebrity hairstylist and ex-boyfriend to Sharon. What if you're Roman? If I'm Roman, yeah. I wonder why they broke up. Abigail Folger, who was the heiress to the Folger's coffee empire, and her boyfriend Wojciech Frykowski, a writer and close friend of Polanski's. The four of them dine at El Coyote, a Mexican restaurant on Beverly Boulevard, before heading back to 10050 Chielo Drive, unaware that they have just eaten their last meal. On the other side of town, Manson has summoned Tex Watson and instructed him that tonight is the night to kickstart Helter Skelter. Tex, along with Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkle and a new family member, Linda Kasabian, are told to leave the commune at Spahn Ranch and drive to 10050 Celio Drive with the direct instructions from Manson, if you're going to do something, do it well and leave something witchy. Should I do a voice? You can try one. If you're going to do something, do it well and leave something. <laughs> Excuse me. If you're going to do something, do it well and leave something witchy. Let <laughs> me find a voice note of you saying something witchy before. Oh, um. Yeah, I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's yeah, bad. Let me find it. It's a haunted old witch. Which is. It's not me. It is you. So the four of them are reportedly high on speed, drive to the property where Tex proceeds to cut the phone lines and then instructs the others that they are to scale the gates of the property and silently approach the house. Before doing so, however, they notice headlights in the distance. A car is making the way down the drive towards them. Unsuspecting 18-year-old Stephen Parent had just been visiting the property's caretaker, William Garretson, in the hope of selling them a clock radio. Garretson lives in the guest house, which is separate to the main residence. And after enjoying a couple of beers together, Parent leaves in the car without having sold the clock radio. It was upon his departure from 1005 Celio Drive that he encounters Tex Watson, who proceeds to shoot him four times without warning, instantly killing him. Stephen Perrin is simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. Prior to the event, it is alleged that the female members of the group, Atkins, Krenwinkel and Kasabian, had not been informed that the plan was to murder everyone they came across at the house. And Linda Kasabian reportedly started behaving in a particularly anxious manner after the shooting of Parent. Only the thing about it is apparently she had a club foot. As a result, Tex instructs her to go and scope out the property and find an open door. When she comes back to inform him that they are all locked, he tells her to remain at the bottom of the drive and act as a lookout. Tex, Susan Atkins and Patricia Kremwinkle then make their way towards the house with the innocent friends inside. By this time it is after midnight and Abigail Folger has retired to her guest room to get ready for bed. Her boyfriend Wojciech Frakowski has fallen asleep on the sofa and Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring are still up chatting together in Sharon's bedroom. Tex Watson using a knife he has brought with him from Spahn Ranch proceeds to cut open one of the window screens and climb inside the house. He moves round to the front door which he opens allowing Atkins and Krimwinkle inside. They discover Wojciech Frakowski on the sofa who is awoken by the presence and questions who they are and what they want. Tex replies in a menacing voice I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business which is a fucking horrible thing imagine waking up a little bit pissed on the sofa yeah any home invasion format is my worst nightmare oh, okay just, we've talked about it a few times before the strangers terrified me but you leave your doors open shut the fuck up <laughs> if you could set your door open then you it's open now bro is it yeah bro I think bro 
I don't know, bro. I'm scared. But that home invasion, yeah. Unwanted visitors. I lock my doors and I sleep with a dog between your legs. <laughs> yeah. Got a baseball bat somewhere. I think it's in the loft. That's annoying. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <clears throat> stench. Defense. Susan Atkins. A mode of shit. Susan Atkins walks aimlessly around the house to see who else may be inside. As she walks past the bedroom of Abigail Folger, Folger. Folger pajamas before you put them on the map. <laughs> As she walks past the bedroom of Abigail Folger, she sees her sitting up in bed reading a book. Folger, not thinking anything suspicious of the long-haired stranger, nonchalantly waves at Atkins, presuming she is simply another guest to the Polanski residence. That's scary, isn't it? Mm. Atkins moves on to discover Sharon and Jay in the master bedroom, where she pulls out a knife and threatens them towards the living room, collecting Abigail Folger on the way back too. Now all four high-profile guests are huddled together in a state of terror. They plead with the strangers before them, asking them what they want. Tex moves towards the heavily pregnant Sharon Tate and ties a rope around her neck. As she starts to cry out, Jay protests and angers Tex Watson enough for him to turn and shoot him in the stomach. Jay falls to the ground in agony as the others look on horrified and begging for their lives. Abigail screams out that she has money in the purse in her bedroom, which she guides them to and hands over $70 in cash. She is dragged back into the living room and witnesses Jay stirring from his injuries on the floor. At this sign of life, Tex Watson moves towards Jay and proceeds to stab him multiple times until he passes away. Whilst this has been going on, Susan Atkins has tied Farowski's hands with a towel. He manages to wriggle free and Atkins lunges towards him and begins to stab in at his legs. He manages to get up and stumble towards the door and out onto the front garden. Tex quickly catches up with him and in a frenzied rage, he stabs him 51 times. Jesus. Hits him over the head with a butt of a revolver 13 times and shoots him twice as well. Just the blind rage going on there. That is hideous. Linda Kasabian watches from the driveway with sickening despair. And she's actually a, a key character in this case, uh, as we'll go on to discuss in the aftermath. But it's a, it's a very important note that she has sat there in the driveway watching all of this happen. This turn of events is not one that she ever expected to be a part of. Abigail Folger sees an opportunity to run and she breaks free, running into the lawn in front of the house. Patricia Kremwinkle catches up with her and furiously stabs her 28 times. Abigail is wearing a long white nightdress, which becomes so saturated with blood that when her body is discovered the next day by police, they don't immediately realise that it was actually a white dress because of the amount of blood. Sharon Tate, aware that she is the only one left, desperately begs for mercy. Atkins, who has been holding the star down, looks her in the eyes and hisses, Woman, I have no mercy for you. Tate tries everything, even suggesting for the group to take her hostage and allow her to have her baby, which is due in two weeks' time. Which is just so heartbreaking. Tex Watson arrives at the scene where he demands Atkins to kill the pleading actress. Atkins stabs Tate 16 times as the actress cries out for her mother whilst she dies. Atkins kills both Tate and her unborn baby boy. So dark. The crime scene photos of, of this case are some of the most horrific I have ever seen. Yeah, I saw an interview with one of the policemen who were the first to be there and he was like, it changed him. And yeah, so incredibly dark and so incredibly sad. Before vacating the premises, the word pig is written in Tate's blood on the front door of the house, of which Roman Polanski on his return to the property is famously photographed in front of For Life magazine 
much to the anger of many who feel that the images are insensitive. Incredibly, yeah. The murderous group make a getaway and head back to Spahn Ranch, where they are greeted by Charles Manson, who is curious to know whether that any of them feel remorse. Each member answers they don't, which pleases Manson, yet his mood quickly changes when he discovers they have returned with hardly any money on them, and the recounting of the murders is not dramatic enough for his liking. Not dramatic enough. Yeah, very bizarre. I mean, he probably hate us. Why? We do characters sometimes, and can be quite dramatic. It's the thing with Linda Kasabian is she was in love with a psycho. Meanwhile, back at 10050 Celio Drive, all four members of the main house lay slain, apart from previously mentioned caretaker William Garretson. Garretson had been blissfully unaware of the events unfolding outside his guest house due to him listening to music all night long. I mean, gunshots, screams. Was he listening to Lionel Richie? Could be. Could be, Ben. The next morning, on August 9th, 1969, the cleaner Winfred Chapman turns up to work at Celio Drive, only to be greeted with an unimaginable bloody scene. She runs to the neighbour's house screaming murder and the authorities are quickly alerted. The police arrive on the scene to discover a sleeping Garretson, who they promptly arrest for all four murders. He is kept in custody for a few days before police rule him out as a suspect. Garretson goes on to sue the city of Los Angeles for false arrest and imprisonment, evasion of privacy and violation of his constitutional rights. He states that he was not advised of his, his right to remain silent until many hours after his initial arrest. If you went and killed four people next door, you're not just going into your house and just sleeping. So sleep, yeah. Interestingly enough, Garrison is in police custody when the following evening murders take place, ruling him out as a suspect completely. Our story now takes us to the night after the discovery of the Tate House murders. August 10th, 1969. Manson, after hearing on the radio that there is no mention of the Black Panthers being linked to the discovered bodies of Sharon Tate and her famous friends, is infuriated. He has not achieved the result he was hoping for and gathers the same group of followers plus two more, Stephen Clem Grogan and Leslie Van Houten. He wants to create a copycat murder but with more Black Panther clues in order to fuel the Helter Skelter race war. Manson directs Kasabian to drive the group to the Los Feliz area of Los Angeles, to a neighbourhood where the family had attended a party the year previous. Manson believes that the residents of this neighbourhood are to be wealthy and therefore goes ahead and picks 3301 Waverly Drive as their target. The chosen house belongs to that of supermarket executive Lino Labianca and his wife Rosemary, who is the co-owner of a clothing store. Manson approaches the house alone, leaving the rest of the group waiting in the car. He returns shortly and beckons for Tex to follow him up to the house, where he points out a sleeping Leno on the sofa. Kremwinkle and Van Houten are summoned, and they enter the house via an unlocked back door, rousing Leno Labianca from his slumber at gunpoint. Asked whether there is anyone else in the house with him, Leno admits that his wife is in the bedroom. Krenwinkel and Van Houten rush towards the bedroom to detain Rosemary. At some point, Manson vacates the property, but not without telling the group that everyone needs to do something. He once again does not want to get his hands physically dirty, but has no problem with the other members of the family doing so. That's one of the big things he does. He never explicitly says, kill people. He says, if you can do something, do it right. If, it's, it's all the language he uses. It's, he can kind of, you know, I didn't tell them to do that, yeah. but it's very much implied. If I needed to do it, then it would get done. Manson's intention is to hit more than one house that night and commit multiple murders. He instructs Linda Kasabian to drive them to the property of an actor friend of hers, as it is alleged that Manson wanted this associate to be murdered too. Kasabian has other ideas, however, and deliberately knocks on the wrong house door, meaning that the wrong person greeted them upon opening. Thanks to Linda, the life of the intended target is spared. 
So Tex would go on to commit one more murder by stabbing Leno with a bayonet. Once dead, Tex then carves the word war into Leno's stomach and proceeds towards the bedroom where he finds Krenwinkel stabbing Rosemary to death with a kitchen knife. Tex then finishes Rosemary off with the same bayonet used to kill her husband, whilst Leslie Van Houten writes death to pigs and rise on the walls. Once the horrific attacks have been committed, it is alleged that the group got hungry and cleared out LeBlanca's fridge, finishing off their watermelon and chocolate milk. That's not going to fill you up, is it? I'm starving. Oh, what have they got? Watermelon. Ah, oh, it's just... A chocolate milk. Okay. Can we go somewhere else? No. White Castle's open. No. We're going to fucking have watermelon. Watermelon and chocolate milk. I'll just curdle as well. It's not a nice mix. Krenwinkel then wrote Helter Skelter, spelled incorrectly H-E-A-L-T-E-R, on the front of the fridge before the murderous group make their escape. Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. Have a wee sit down here. That's maybe what he's thinking, I don't know. Maybe. But again, these were absolutely brutal murders. But as brutal and disgusting as the Tate murders were, the LaBianca murders were absolutely brutal. So we talked about how vicious and callous Tex was in the Tate murders, but with Mr. LaBianca, he obviously carved the word war into his stomach, but he also proceeded to put knives and forks into into his stomach. That was cutting into his insides. It was unnecessarily brutal. It was disgusting. Despite near identical messages being written on the walls in blood, the police initially have no idea that the Tate murders are connected to the LaBianca deaths and state this to the press on August 12th as it appears as though Manson and his family are going to get away with the crimes. However, a couple of months later, in October of 1969, the LAPD raid Manson's Spahn Ranch on totally unrelated circumstances. Selling a little, or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My 
inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. The motive for finding and arresting Charles Manson and his followers is on the basis of car theft and other petty crimes such as burglary. One thing that I had heard is that as well as the home invasions that they would do, they would go around and burgle beer, beer gardens. No. They would they go around, round, they, round, round, they'd go around. That's good. That's pretty good. God only knows. Tell me if you know. Pet what sounds. they would do is they would they would steal Volkswagen Beetles. Ooh. And, Were they white? <laughs> and convert them into Doom Buddies. Buggies? Doom buddies. <laughs> Hello, buddy. You are now my doon. <laughs> Come on. Welcome to Span Ranch. And convert them into dune buggies that Ooh. they would drive around Span Ranch. And the reason that they um, were caught was because they were, they were found with one of those beetles. It is alleged that the only reason Charles Manson is found is because some of his wild hair had got caught in a cupboard door in his haste to hide. The police officer who discovered Manson apparently said that the cupboard looked so small that he would never have thought to check it had it not been for the strands of hair that were exposed. Manson and 25 of his followers are arrested and taken into police custody. It is only as a result of Susan Atkins confidently boasting to her fellow soulmates about her involvement in the Tate murders that, that suspicion is aroused and connections are made. The main perpetrators in the Tate LeBlanca deaths, Charles Manson, Charles Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Patricia Crankwinkle, Leslie Van Houten and Linda Kasabian are all arrested for murder. Linda Kasabian manages to be granted immunity on the basis that she did not physically take part in the killings and she agrees to turn witness against Manson and the other family members. In 1970, the chaotic trial against the Manson family begins with every day bringing new unforeseen drama. When you see pictures and stuff, it is, it's yeah. ghoulish, isn't it? Very, very haunting. It is through the trial that the outside world gains a glimpse into just how far Manson's control over his followers go. One day, he appears in the court with an X carved into his forehead. The following day, Atkins, Krimwinkle, Van Houten all appear with X carved into their foreheads too. Another day, Manson appears with a shaved head. The following day, the Manson girls, both on trial and supporting from outside the courtroom, all shave their heads as well. That was the, the weird point as well. They didn't want to do it immediately, so they waited a few days to then do it to look like they're not totally under his control. But yet they're still following him. Maybe they had to gee himself up. I don't want to do it, but Charlie's done it. I've got to fucking do it. Other bizarre moments from the trial include the girls all chanting in Latin, laughing whilst on the stand, a bomb scare resulting in the courthouse being evacuated, and Manson rushing at the judge with a pencil screaming, someone should cut your head off. If you're trying to get off, Charles, maybe don't try and cut the judge's head off. <laughs> with a pencil. Yeah, it must be sharp. Be better with a sharpie. <laughs> During the trial, another family member turned potential witness. 17-year-old Barbara Hoyt has a lucky escape from a near-death experience after being manipulated into a trip to Hawaii instead of taking the stand against the family, as she originally had agreed to do. On arrival to Honolulu, she is fed a hamburger by the other Manson followers, which is laced with a potentially lethal dose of LSD. Although significantly unwell, Hoyt miraculously survives the attack. This attempt on her life makes her even more determined to give evidence, and her testimony corroborated that of Linda Kasabian, and formed solid grounds for the murderer's convictions. 
Another dramatic moment from the trial was the disappearance of Leslie Van Houten's lawyer, Ronald Hughes, in November 1970. Hughes felt that he could get Van Houten off due to her age by convincing the jury that the obvious control that Manson had over her. He had gone on the camping trip yet aroused suspicion when he failed to turn up for work the following Monday. His body was not found until the following March of 1971, and although the cause of death still remains undetermined to this day, it is widely believed this death was down to the Manson family. In March of 1971, the Manson family members on trial are all sentenced to death and are immediately escorted to death row. This soon changes, however, as the death penalty is abolished in California in 1972, and all five family members are commuted to life in prison instead. And that is the end of the Manson family murders timeline. We're now going to go into some aftermath and some trivia and then go on to our lookalikes and a little bit about the cult our cult as well as tom mentioned the trial itself was a, a it became a bit of a circus but it was a very visually striking trial as well there's lots of very infamous uh, photos from the from outside the court and and inside the court um, all around the court tim Hemmen. yeah so we're going to talk a bit more about uh, that that process as well so throughout the trial manson appeared dressed in clothing that he typically wore whilst living in Spahn ranch so most of his clothing was made of fringe buckskins, which are essentially animal hides, and he very much had the appearance and maintained the appearance of a survivalist or outdoorsman. And the press kind of jumped on this as well. He very much looked like a bit of a hippie mountain man to many. It looked like the original Mankind outfit. Spot on. Very good, very good. As we kind of mentioned in the timeline, during the trial on the first day of Manson's testimony, he appeared in court with an X that he had carved into his forehead, which was obviously quite a shock to the judge and those in the jury. And Manson's followers outside the courtroom read a statement to news reporters that suggested that Manson did this in order to X himself from your world. The very next day, Manson's co-defendants all also appeared in court with an X carved into their foreheads. The state would go on to present many different witnesses throughout the trial. However, their star witness was Linda Kasabian, who was present, as we said, on the night of the Tate murders uh, as a lookout, but she was not actively involved. She also spent the following evening uh, during the LaBianca murders with Manson, where she claimed that she witnessed Manson give the orders for the LaBianca murders. So she played a significant part in the trial, and after answering questions to the defence and prosecution, due to the fact that she testified against Manson and his followers, she she had to go in hiding for 40 years and still remains in hiding to date, which I just thought was absolutely staggering. <clears throat> yeah. So many members of the Manson family camped outside the courthouse throughout the trial. They would hold a vigil during the, each night of the trial on a nearby street corner. These family members also carved X's into their foreheads. And some of them would even begin to wear saffron robes, making bold statements to the local media that they were going to douse themselves in gasoline and set themselves on fire, just like the Vietnamese monks were doing to protest the Vietnam War. These threats never came to fruition. In early August of 1970, then-President Richard Nixon told reporters that he believed Charles Manson was guilty of the murders, either directly or indirectly. As a result of this, Manson obtained a copy of the newspaper and held up the headline to the jury, whilst he and his defence would go on to make statements that Manson and his followers had killed far fewer people than Nixon's war machine in Vietnam. It's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? That's not going to go, oh yeah, that's true, we'll let you off. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people believe that Manson, he was the end of the hippie movement completely. He was the poster boy that people could then put up and go, this was, this is a hippie, this guy's a hippie, look at what he did to people. Look at what he's done, yeah. So like, some people believe he was like, the final kiss of death for the hippie movement. So um, yeah, so it was, it was a really big deal for the trial for Nixon to have made such a statement. And as a result of this statement from Nixon, the judge actually had to go on and poll each individual member of the jury to understand whether each juror had seen the article or the headline of, of the newspaper and whether or not it would 
impact their ability to make an independent decision. All of the jurors confirmed that they could still decide independently. But Manson's followers felt like Nixon's comments had massively swayed the jury. Definitely. Uh, and they would go on to chant, as well as all the chants in Latin, that they would go on to chant, Nixon says we are guilty, so why go on? I'm unsure of the tune. Yeah. On October 5th, 1970, despite the fact that many guards and police officers in the courtroom had been briefed on Manson's volatile nature, Manson attempted to attack Judge Older shortly before court took session. Manson first began shouting at Judge Older before jumping over his lawyer's table with a sharpened pencil in his hand. He began to charge and lunge in the direction of Judge Older. Fortunately, he was trained before reaching the judge. Whilst Manson was being removed from the courtroom, Manson screamed, In the name of Christian justice, someone should cut your head off. At Judge Older. Whilst this was happening, the female defendants began chanting in Latin, though it is unclear specifically what they were chanting. From that moment onwards, Judge Older began wearing a thirty-eight caliber pistol beneath the robe for the trial. I thought that was just absolutely wild. Mm. On November 16th, 1970, after presenting evidence for almost 22 weeks, the state of California rested its case against Manson. Shockingly, the defendants then stunned the courtroom by announcing that they had no witnesses to present and rested their case. So the prosecution goes on for 22 weeks and then it gets to Manson's team and they just say, no, we're, we're, we're fine, we, we rest our case. Despite resting their case, Manson and his co-defendants did state that they wanted to testify and they were allowed to make these statements without a jury present. We've got some of these uh, statements for you, particularly Manson's one, and they really do read I mean, he's he has got in some of the... He's very, obviously, he's a speaker. He's quite detailed in what he chooses to say, but some of his selection of words are eyebrow-raising, to say the least. So first of all, all of Manson's female co-defendants stated that Manson was not involved in the murders whatsoever and only implicated themselves. Each of the three female defendants, Atkins, Van Houten and Kremwinkel, took the stand. They provided graphic details of the murders and testified once again that Manson was not involved. The following day, Manson was allowed to speak and his statement reads as follows. These children that come at you with knives, they are your children. You taught them. I didn't teach them. I just tried to help them stand up. Most of the people at the ranch that you call the family were just people that you did not want. I know this, that in your hearts and souls, you are as much responsible for the Vietnam War as I am for killing these people. I can't judge any of you. I have no malice against you and no ribbons for you. But I think that it is high time that you all start looking at yourselves and judging the lie that you live in. My father is the jailhouse. My father is your system. I am only what you made me. I am only a reflection of you. You want to kill me? Ha! I am already dead. Have been all my life. I spent 23 years in tombs that you have built. So later on during the sentencing, Manson would go on to trim his beard to a fork shape and shave all of his hair, telling the media, I'm the devil and the devil always has a bald head. So yeah, as we mentioned, Manson uh, carved an X into his head, he shaved his hair, but the female members of his family would not do that until a few days later and kind of follow him. They basically said that they didn't want to appear as though they were immediately following him and being completely controlled by Manson, but at the same time, they're still copying him. Mm. So when they were being sentenced and having been sentenced, they were walking out of the courtroom and Atkins shouted to the jury, better lock your doors and watch your kids, which is pretty terrifying. Yeah. The Manson family murder trial and case against Charles Manson was the longest murder trial in American history when it occurred, lasting a staggering total of nine and a half months. The trial was dubbed the trial of the century and was among the most publicised American criminal case in American history. The jury had been sequestered for 225 days, longer than any jury before. 
The trial transcript alone ran to 209 volumes, which roughly equates to 31,716 pages long. It's a lot. A lot of words. It is. Charles Manson was admitted to Los Angeles County State Prison on the 22nd of April 1971 for seven counts of first-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. So that's the interesting thing. He's still been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder despite not being actively mm. involved. And that's where some of these, some of his supporters to date still kind of plead his cause. Well, so some people say that if you're witness to as in you're part of that, you're, you get linked to the murder anyway, don't you, in some states. So perhaps it's that, but yeah. Throughout the 1980s and early 1990s, Manson granted and was given permission to do interviews with various television stations across America, as well as the rest of the world. His first and perhaps most notable interview was with NBC's Tom Snyder, and it was recorded at California Medical Facility in 1981. It was notable due to the fact that Manson's forehead X had now become a swastika. He made a second appearance five years later in 1986, this time from San Quentin's prison for CBS's Charlie Rose. This new segment actually went on to win an Emmy Award for the best interview. In September of 1984, Manson was moved back to the California medical facility when Jan Holmstrom, a fellow inmate, poured paint thinner on him and set him on fire causing second and third degree burns to over 20% of Manson's body. The reason apparently for, for Jan doing this was due to Manson repeatedly verbally threatening him and also disagreeing with his religious and spiritual beliefs. So over the next couple of decades, Manson's spotlight seemed to diminish. He continued to renew his interest in Scientology and struck up a correspondence with many male and female pen pals who would write him thousands of letters over the years. Because that's one thing that really stands out from, from this case is the following that he had gained prior to the crimes, but mm. also gained following the trial and, and very devoted followers that he still has to date. In 2009, an LA-based disc jockey, Matthew Roberts, released a series of letters as well as various other pieces of evidence that he claimed proved he was the biological son of Charles Manson. He claimed that his mother was raped by Manson in the mid-1960s when she was a member of the Manson family. However, when she became pregnant, she subsequently fled and returned to her parents to give birth to Matthew. CNN got involved in this and uh, they actually ended up conducting a DNA test between Matthew Roberts and Manson's only known biological grandson. However, the DNA results proved inconclusive and they did not match. So I wonder why he was doing that. In 2010, the Los Angeles Times reported that Manson was caught with a cell phone in 2009 and had contacted people in California, New Jersey, Florida and British Columbia. A spokesperson for the California Department of Corrections stated that it was not known if Manson had used the phone for criminal purposes. Manson also recorded an album of acoustic pop songs with additional production by Henry Rollins, titled Completion. Only five copies were pressed, two belonged to Rollins, while the other three are presumed to have been with Manson. The album remains unreleased. Henry Rollins from punk band Black Flag. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Toyota Thon is on. So stop in and get a great deal on a sporty new Camry or stylish Corolla, both with available all-wheel drive. Find out more at buyatoyota.com. Hurry, Toyota Thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places. In June of 2011, California correction officials released an updated mugshot image of Manson to the public, showing him with a large, grey, bushy beard, as well as receding hairline and faded swastika tattoo. In 2014, the imprisoned Manson became engaged to 26-year-old Afton Elaine Burton. He had given her the nickname of Star, and there are lots of photos of her visiting him in prison, and the age gap there at this point is is. They're a very odd couple. Very, very odd couple. She had been visiting him on and off for at least nine years and they maintained several, well, she looked after several websites that basically were fighting for Manson's innocence. Because that's the thing about this case as well. So many people believe he's serving a sentence for a crime that he did not commit. However, there were complications due to Manson's health as he was approaching older age, but also complications with them being able to obtain a marriage license. And there were also uh, rumours from a local journalist that the wedding was cancelled after Manson discovered that Burton wanted to marry him only so that she and a friend, Craig Hammond, could use his corpse as a tourist attraction after his death. Dark. On January 1st, 2017, Manson was suddenly rushed to Mercy Hospital in downtown Bakersfield because he had gastrointestinal bleeding. There were numerous conflicting reports via different media outlets regarding his condition, with many incorrect reports of his death. Manson later died from cardiac arrest resulting from respiratory failure brought on by colon cancer at hospital on November 19th, 2017. There you go. There you go. So yes, that is the case of the Manson family murders. A long one. A big one for the for the comeback for the episode one of series seven. We hope you guys found it interesting. We're going to now do our lookalikes, uh, which I'm sure you guys have been <laughs> missing over this, this time here. I hope Ben's done better than me, but let's play the jingle. What does it look like? That looks like a bit like that. Yeah, it looks a bit like it. Ben, do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've, I've, uh, I've got, I believe I've got four. One, two, three, four, and a throwaway. I've got four. Oh, well, one thing that threw me off right away is my my two Christmas reads. Mm-hmm. Visually, I got confused which book I was reading. No, easy way to put one down. It was easy to. Oh, which one? Are you just trying to show off that you read? I've got two books now. Yeah. <laughs> I've got two books. Yeah, I've got four. I'll go with one that I feel is going to piss you off. I feel like I could start my own directory if it doesn't already exist. Um, actorswhocouldplay.com. Don't know why, but I get very, very Fred Willard vibes from old Manson if you popped a beard on him. Mm. Face. In the face. He's no longer with us. Is he not? Pretty sure he's not. He's in I Think You Should Leave. He did the piano. Yep. Oh. Died in 2020. Shit. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. I mean, great actor. They've got the same nose, Dan. Yeah, I can see that. 
Thanks, man. Same nose. So I think he looks like he could be a bassist in any indie band. That's my first first port call. I think from this picture here, it looks a little bit like Dudley Moore. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's Manny the Hair, to be honest. It's good, though. But um, that's, my good. Fir- that's my first one. Okay, moving on to number two. Again, cheap shot, cheap shot. feel like he could very easily be on... Um, the DVD cover of Bum Fights. That's not really look like it. Well, I was being a bassist in an indie band. Well, I didn't use it as look like, did I? Oh, I won't use it then, but I'll just say it. So you just think he looks like a homeless person? No, no, not specifically. He looks like a bum, which is a worse. more offensive no. term for homeless. Uh, not specifically homeless, Tom. No, you're right. Okay, my courtroom Manson, very classic Manson. I've gone for Last Man on Earth, Will Fort. Hair, yeah. Hair and beard, good. yeah. That's still hair, isn't it? Have you started watching Thanks. that now? I need to start watching it. You've recommended it. You don't miss with your recommendations, so I will give it a try. Rewatching Oz. I've gone for a lazy one here. I've gone for Mick Foley. I thought the top picture was Mick Foley for just a second. Well, there you go. I'll take that. Not bad. Okay. Very good. Very good. My last uh, one was rogue as fuck, but I'll let you go first. I almost threw in the Dolmio sauce, man, but I decided against it. Yeah, I, I, know. I, I don't even understand how possibly... I'm going to go with my best one. I think you're going to like it. From uh, the photo I've got, I think you're going to be very... Even the face. Well, what was the Don Mio guy doing? <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to conclude. Howard Moon. Yeah, that's good. It's good, isn't it? That's probably my best one. Yeah, even the outfit would work. Yeah? Yeah, the angle. you got the, you got a good reference got everything, picture. Everything there. <laughs> Can we... Some explanation on the Don Mio guy. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> I... I <laughs> He came to mind, and I was like, oh, yeah, he kind of looks like the Dolmio Sauce Man. But then I also thought, actually, Dolmio Sauce Man kind of looks like another case we're covering in, later down the series, I think. Oh, that's But a, then I was like... I mean, that might be, if, someone, if someone can figure that out, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But then I was like, I kept looking at the picture of the Dolmio Sauce Man, and then I tried to find pictures of man. Do you have a lot of Dolmio Sauce at home? No, no, a couple. I've done Mio sandwiches, but uh, <laughs> but then I tried to force uh, Manson looking like Domio. So I searched Manson smile hat, and he wouldn't wear any hats. So. That's annoying. So yeah, sorry about that, guys. I was going to go for the guy in Lost, but he actually played him, didn't he? Daniel Faraday guy. I think he plays Manson in Mindhunter and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I believe he's not the the main main Manson guy that people use. Oh. I don't believe but that, that's a good shout that's probably the, one of the better ones to be honest oh, I think he's played him though I'm not sure maybe he's got the sunken sunken sad eyes hasn't he yeah sunken sad eyes my last one which is not a great shout but is a bit of George Best oh that's very good which I think is a bit is a bit rogue to be honest that's um, very good well that is the lookalikes I think but to be fair I think a fairly good batch of lookalikes I'd say now, guys, uh, as you are very aware, a lot of you are very aware, um, the cult, the cult of Vic Map, we have been inundated with, with applications. He's played him, hasn't he? I can't use him. We've been absolutely inundated with applications for the cult, which is amazing. We've read a few out. We're going to read a few out more out today. But to make it a bit more interesting for the listener and the viewer, we're going to ask for you guys to, if you want to apply for the cult, to apply via a voice note or a video and send it to hello at icmap.co.uk. We just think it'd be a bit more interactive. We can get the tone of your voice. We can see if you really want it. 
we think it would be a much more intriguing way to do it. So if you're interested in applying for the cult, send us an email with a voice note or a video in, and we will look forward to playing that in, in the in the coming weeks. And for the viewers, we've got a number popped up on the screen now, which you can you can send us a voice note or video to this number over on WhatsApp, and then we'll be able to play it next week. So yeah, we're looking forward to hearing those and seeing those. Apologies if you haven't been read out and you, and you spent some time writing it. We we had a lot to read out, and we thought that us just reading them at the end might be a bit slow, and we thought it'd be a bit more intriguing to hear your guys' voices and see you guys on the on the screen. I don't think when you floated the idea of this that you expected the response that we had. Didn't think it through. <laughs> yeah. So there have been literally hundreds of emails coming in, like almost every day now we get yeah. one, even when we've been on a break. So thank you so much to everybody that's that's written in. If it does make, deliver some comfort, we do read all of them. So we have received all of them uh, and we really appreciate that. We do read all of them. And you didn't make the cut. <laughs> Dan has got going to read a few of them out now just to close the episode but yeah in future ones we won't be reading them out it'll be from a voice note or a video and please get involved uh, we'd love to see and hear from you The Cult of ICMAP <laughs> Okay boys I've got a few here for you Lovely. Um, first one is uh, from Andy North. Uh, Andy. Hi, North. Andy. How you Andy? Uh, I am an EOD technician. Do you know what that is? Ele- it's a cool job, to be fair. Electric engineer of defence. It's not that. It's it's explosive something disposal. So it's like a bomb, oh, bomb disposal. Unit. Yeah. Damn. Wow. That is cool in the right circumstance. He, goes, wants, he wants to shuffle? That's not a thing, so let's see that. Got the... I don't think it does. He goes on to say, I think my skill set could be good for rendering safe any item of unexploded ammunition the government would use in their push to get us. Plus, I know how to clear a path through a minefield if we ever find ourselves having to traverse such an area. Wow. Wow. That's useful. That's a lot to offer. Mm. You're an impressive man, Andy. I'm seriously concerned. Plus, I will bring cases of single malt whiskey and hot sauce. (laughs) We love a hot sauce. Yes. We could try a whiskey. We'll, we'll, <laughs> Andy, we'll drink it in front of you and pretend we liked it and think we like, oh yeah, I love whiskey. Oh, but, uh, it's a good dribble. The hot sauce. It's a good drop. A good dribble. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's yes from yes from me. Yes, yes from me. Two thumbs up, Andy. Very Andy good. North. Nice one, Andy. Okay, next one is from Gisela. Um, hi, Swedish Gisela. Or something. Swedish. Is she? I've read the email. That's why oh, she is Swedish. Oh, yeah, sorry, Dan. She goes on to say, hi guys, I obviously want to be in the cult. I'm a freelance prop maker and a mistress of macabre stuff. Oh. But also cute stuff. Or both. Like this black metal doll I made. Oh. It's like the, the bride, oh. bride of Chucky. Or Bride of Chucky's joined Kiss. <laughs> or Cradle of Filth. It's very good, though. I'm also very good at puns, and if you want to, I will deliver them in a London slash black country twang. If you want one of my best puns right now, here we go. Oh. Why do I like cemeteries so much? Because I dig graves. <laughs> Good stuff. Solid. That's all stuff. Yeah. I was called Rapunzel at college, or the Punisher. So, she also says I make mascots too. Uh, you need a mascot, right? Yeah, we do. Sorry, Jacob. Yeah, so's Jake's. Oh, so like Jacob. I'll make one seriously. She says. Oh, could lo- you actually? We would love that. We'd love you to make us a mascot. Please do that. Make it, and you're in the cult. That's. I mean, that's fair. I think we have a deal. I think we do. We have a deal for two people in the cult. It's two yeses. Okay, and last one for today is uh, from Van Percy. Ooh. Evening, gents. Evening. Evening. All right. All right. It's almost morning time for us. I would like to apply uh, for the cult of ICMAP. 
I have dedicated my life to investigations and serving the public, starting as a police officer, then moving on to investigating death for many years on behalf of Her Majesty's coroner. Oh, wow. You find out how Jake was offed for a start. Yeah. I have recently returned to the police to investigate wrongdoing from within and seeking out the bad that hide amongst the good. Wow. Oh, I bet he's got some stories. Oh, I bet he bloody well has. Well, he goes on to say, I'm oh. not I'm not quite a NAM veteran, but I feel that I can safely say I have seen things, man. Oh, wow. So my role within the cult of ICMAP, I hear your cogs turning and muttering the words enforcer, peacekeeper, or investigator. Enforcer, peacekeeper. Investigator. But no. Sausages. <laughs> <laughs> me sick. My secret talent is that I make a good tea and a mean cheese sarnie. Not a cheese sarnie in ages. If you put that, if you do a toasty, grilled cheese sandwich, then yeah, and a coffee instead of a tea. I don't mind a tea. Maybe I could be a day shift carer for those thirsty and hungry souls, followed by a sermon by Tom, or refueling those that have been kept awake by Ben having. God. <laughs> oh, you've read this? No, I don't know. Ben having what? Well, <laughs> nightmares? Fucking hell. Oh. Or refueling those have been kept away by Ben having a vigorous go on his bell. <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong. I like that one. It's a yes from me. Good, yeah, it's a yes. I'm based in Bedfordshire. Oh, that's close. But I'd relocate for the right position. I have a full clean driving licence and a certificate in first aid. Oi, that's, that's so boy. many yeses. Because bells can be shot. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Lovely stuff. Thank you very much, everybody. Yes. Keep yeah, them coming. Thank you so much. Yes, keep them coming, but audio or visual applications to the email, hello at icmap.co.uk, or the number you see below. And yes, we are back, and we are happy to be back. We are glad to be back. We have many huge cases and interesting cases to follow. The Series 7 train just left the station. It did. And we've got very, very got interesting destinations. 11 more stops to go. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and one of those 11 stops may very well be an audience vote. So if you're not already, why not follow us over on Instagram, Twitter, at Pod. The voting will be on Instagram if you're, if you're an Instagrammer. We've also got Facebook, uh, TikTok. We've Reddit. also got Reddit. Sub, sub, well, have we got it? It's, we've got a subreddit. We've got apparently. a subreddit. And thank you to our sponsors, Did Happy, for today. Thank you guys for a brilliant episode. We are buzzing to be back and looking forward to future cases. And if you just can't wait until next week, we have got almost 100 episodes over on patreon.com forward slash pod. About half an hour, 45 minute episodes. Some of them are a bit longer. And, uh, well, there's a few days worth of content over there if you're, if you're, if you're a binge-a-file. Before we do go, a massive, massive thank you to Cornetto Waltz and Renato Modus, um, who, uh, who are running the ICMAP subreddit. Uh, we really appreciate you. I'm going to learn more about Reddit so that I can play it small part I'll make an appearance I'll, I'll just say hello just get an account mate and just is that how I do it yeah make an account little comment cool I'll see you soon Reddit <laughs> he's coming <laughs> he's coming and yes guys like we always say we say this all the time keep doing what you're doing well unless um, well it's less unless you're swapping your baby for a picture of beer listening to the White Album and <laughs> Searching for millions of not <laughs> carving crosses into your head and amending them later for something much worse. Claim we bell. Hmm? All right, guys. Take care. 
see you next week. We're Tell back. Pip. We're back. We're, we're back. We're back, baby. Ha <laughs> ha. Here. 2023. I see you, Chilla coffee. Chilla coffee. Everybody getting chilla coffee. Make sure it's a little bit frothy. You got the chilla coffee. You got it in your veins. Uh. Charles. Uh. 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 What's that you put it in my back? Oh, it's a knife. What? What do you want me to do, son? <laughs> Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash streaming. Shopify.com slash streaming. I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.